Today's sponsor is Audible.com. Audible.com has more than 180,000 audiobooks and spoken word audio products. Get a free audiobook of your choice. It is free and it is waiting for you, like my book, Life of the Party, which the audiobook is actually 10 times better than the real book. At www.audiblepodcast.com backslash birdcast. Also, Trip Flip, Tuesday nights, 8 p.m. on Travel Channel. That is it for ads, everybody. Today's guest. From the hit show Legit on FX via Australia, via the UK, via Los Angeles. One of my favorite comics working and easily one of the best storytellers around. Jim Jeffries. This is the Yeah, I don't put a keg in there though. It's kind of... No, it's not. I don't want to say that keg raiders are like the most fucking useless thing, but they're just a lot more work. They are a lot more work. They're like strippers. They okay. seem like a great idea on paper. Well, that's what I, I was looking at. That like fucking uh, Dan. We started. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. We started. Yeah. I'm looking at that Dan Blitzerian or whatever his name is. Who? Yeah, he's the guy. On, he's got like a million followers on Instagram and Twitter and all that. He basically he's a poker player. Yeah. And he lives in the Hollywood Hills. And he's got a private jet, and he's always just every picture is him with like five playmates standing around him naked in his house, and he's the he's the new Hugh, um, Hugh Hefner of our okay. generation. What's his name? Dan Blitzian, Dan B L I T Z I A N or something. I think is how it's spelled. You, you'll 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 be on him all day. Okay. You, you'll like him. He's got a big beard. <laughs> you know what I mean. <laughs> But he's also like a full-on gun nut. Like he's got like he's always photos of him with all of his guns. Yeah. And then I thought, oh, that's the luckiest man in the world. And now the more I think about it, he has to talk to them. These girls, you know what I mean? He's got he's got he's like in his mid thirties. He's got fucking fifteen girls in his house. They're all in their early twenties. Yeah. It's hard to talk to one of them. Dude. I, I used to have a joke. I didn't think vocal cords should develop in women before they were 30. There's nothing I want to hear. Well, it's, well you, when, you, when you're 20, you want to hear it. Yeah, when you're 20, you want to hear it. But I never listened. I never fucking listened. Yeah, well. I never listened to a chick until my wife, until I met my wife. And then I was like, and then she dumped me. And I was like, oh, I need to start fucking listening, paying attention. Dude, I just I had, a, I had, had a problem with women. I had a real <laughs> legit problem. I got cheated on one time. And as soon as that happened, I was like fucking done with them. Yeah, I've been cheated on a few times, but I've done my fair share of doing that as well. Oh, so I'm, not, I'm, like, I'm, no, I'm no saint. I love cheating on chicks. Oh, I hate it. I love it more than being in a relationship. I, I, I'm always, I've always been in a, like, like because now with the kid, I don't cheat anymore. But like back in my twenties, I was, I was habitual. How old are you now? I'm 38. You're only 38. Yeah. God, you're a fucking baby. Yeah, I guess. So, so wait, when did when did you move over to the states? Uh, five years ago. That's it? Yeah. yeah Are you fucking I've, serious? Yeah, I can remember hearing about you, though. I mean, I, I came over, I had meetings and stuff like seven years ago. Oh, you, okay. Okay. But I actually made the move. I, I came over and did like one month here, one month there about seven years ago. When uh, what the... The HBO special was five years ago. So that's when I moved over full time. Really? I remember hearing about you when we were, go- we were all going to South Africa. Right. I'm going to South Africa. In a couple in a couple of months, I just I just agreed to it like last night. Yeah, and fucking my last special, I rip on South Africans like really meanly. And I and I as I as, <laughs> what I, you say? as I did the special, I was like, well, that's me in South Africa done. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> like, like I, I I like like just acknowledge that I'll never go back to South Africa. <laughs> 
these, these, joke, these jokes are worth it. And uh, I'm being invited back. I don't know how it's going to go. I'm, I'm going more for I might get another piece of material because I, I did a whole Oscar Pistorius thing, but then I also did a, a routine about when I was in South Africa last time doing gigs, I tried to fly back and I, I got downgraded at the airport. Like I, I, the, the promoter bought me a first class, a business class ticket, so flatbed. It's a yeah. twenty-four hour flight, uh-huh. so I was like flatbed, no problem, right? Yeah. And then I get there, and the lady's like, "I'm sorry, Mister Jeffries, but you have been downgraded, right?" And I'm like, "I've heard of upgrades, I've never heard of a downgrade. I've been downgraded one time. It's fucking blows your mind. You're like, like I'm confused. I paid yeah, yeah. thirteen thousand dollars for this ticket, yeah. or someone did. Yeah. How is that possible? Well, the class fare they bought it in." Well, they gave me all that bullshit. Anyway, to cut a, this is the kind of long story short. But it, what happened was, I was in the I was in the executive lounge because they said, "I'll wait here. If someone doesn't show up, you can you can get moved back up." So I went and I go to the executive lounge. The lady behind the counter, I had an economy ticket now, and she goes, "You're you're not allowed in the executive lounge." And I tried to explain it to her that your people have sent me up here. Blah 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 blah. Yeah. And and I said, "Are you fucking kidding me like that?" Right? And then they radioed the guy and they let me in. Right. So I'm sitting there, and then all these Americans walk in, like 20, 30 Americans. And one of the girls in the group was like, can you believe how that Australian guy was speaking to that woman out there? Some people just have no class, right? And I went, you can fuck off, and started a fight in the executive lounge, right? Really? Turns out that, that was Neil Diamond's band. And the reason I was downgraded and 20 other people in the executive lounge was downgraded is because Neil Diamond decided to come back a day early. And the airline got all, oh, we better accommodate Neil Diamond. Shut up. So off. his whole band, so 30 people get moved up to, so it was a whole heap of us. So this, this fight breaks out in the executive lounge in, in Cape Town where we're all like, you can get, fuck, 20 of us, Neil Diamond band. I'm, by yeah. the way, a band I'm not afraid of. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it was one of his backup singers who was getting all fucking lippy, right? <laughs> She's been hanging around Neil Diamond too long. <laughs> and so, so, but in that joke, I say things like, I also in the Oscar Pistorius, I think I said that, I said, I said the line, white South Africans are the most horrible people on earth. Like, that's a, that's a quote that I said. White South Africans are the, most are, the, are the worst people on earth. Like, I say that as a throwaway line. And now I'm going back there in a couple of months. This kid, I might sell no tickets. Oh, or I, where, where are you going, Cape Town? I'm going Cape Town, Johannesburg for one, one gig each. I haven't actually, it, I don't know when this podcast is going out, but I haven't actually announced it yet. I, I said on Twitter that I was going to do it, but I haven't announced the actual dates or... Oh, wait. Or anything. Yeah. Uh, but, so wait, uh, God damn it. Yeah, you, we, we were all supposed to go together. This was probably eight, year, six, eight years ago. We, it was the Durban Cape Town run. Yeah, and it was casinos, and it was uh, uh, Big J Okerson. No, 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 no. Well, no. my trip it was. No, I'm, no, I'm no, no, you, you didn't go. All right. That's when I first heard of you. It was eight years ago. Yeah. It was me, you, Steve Hughes. Oh, Hughesy, yeah. Uh, Andre Vincent. Uh, Andre Vincent. Um, Alistair Berry. Yeah. Uh, some a guy named Carl from Australia, very big comic in Australia. Or Carl Barron. Carl Barron. I've never met Carl. Yeah, uh, he's like the Jerry Seinfeld of Australia. He's huge in Australia. Yeah, yeah he's I have no clue. Massive in Australia. Sells very funny. Very, very funny. funny guy. Yeah, sells out huge rooms in Australia. But yeah, we all were supposed to go, and then uh, you ended up bailing, and I think we got a Canadian comic who threw garbage on his head. Very funny guy. Yeah. But, uh, but, <laughs> but it, that's every Canadian routine. It stunk because. <laughs> It's stuck because Hughes kept going, uh, oh, oh, mate, yeah, I wish Jim was here. Got sorted out tonight. Yeah, yeah. Like, well, me and Hughes, he lived together for a long time, and uh, 
So we, during my drug years, it was me, Steve Hughes, and Jason John Whitehead all living in a house like ferrets. Fucking great. So it's like staying awake till like for two, three years, staying awake till six every day and then sleeping till four in the afternoon. And that was just normal. It was yeah. like being like Elvis. It was very weird. The best, the best story I heard secondhand yeah. is the story about the. I mean, I'm not going to make you tell it, but like the story about the break in, break in with the guys. I, I did an episode of legit about that. You know what's weird? You, you get all these people that, that okay. So me and Steve Hughes had a break in. This, I won't tell the story either. But guys come through the window with machetes, with a machete and a hammer because it's in England. No one has guns, right? So it's nice. Oh. It's a nice little break in. Yeah. And they came in. They tied me up and they threatened to rape my girlfriend who was asleep in the other room. And they made Steve carry everything out to the car, and I was just like held hostage on the ground. <laughs> like, oh fuck! And it, it was. And they went to prison for twelve years. So no fucking around. They got caught speeding in my car. Yeah. Like the, about ten minutes later, like we rang the cops. The cops showed up and went, "We found them." <laughs> <laughs> They're wearing they're wearing ski masks in July, <laughs> and they still played innocent. They were in the car in ski masks, and they still went. Nah, I didn't do it. And they got busted with your drugs. Oh yeah, they got they, they had they had our they had our drugs on them. Yeah, that's the best part of the story. That they got caught well, with drugs. Well, one one of the big things is we never admitted to them stealing the drugs because we thought we'd get in trouble, and they got a couple of extra years for having drugs on them. <laughs> But, oh. but uh, yeah, so me, me and Husey lived through it. Now, so the thing is, so obviously two comics in the room, you both tell that story on stage in various forms. You know, Steve yeah. told his version, I told mine. And I've had people go, that's Steve Hughes' story. And I'm like, you know Jim in his story? Yeah. <laughs> I'm the Jim in the story. Steve in my story? That's the Steve, you fucking cocksucker. It's the shitty thing about hanging out with comics, Brant Tobler and Jeff Dye had this great story of stealing a jersey from some punter. And what you would call it, and it's the. I mean, they both have the exact. They did it together. Well, Steve Hughes tells the the best joke in the whole thing. He goes, uh, "When they broke into the house, I remember looking around the house, and I said, mate, oh, I think uh, you're in the wrong place. All we have here is three thousand heavy metal records, and I think you might be into hip hop.'" <laughs> <laughs> he never says anything about race. He just I says think that you might be into hip hop. <laughs> Steve Hughes is funny as fuck. He, I really enjoyed hanging out with him. We were next door neighbors. So we shared a hot tub and uh like you know that place where you stayed? I don't know I don't know if you had ever, but it's uh something bay. We start oh we started one in Durban that was that was like the greatest resort like you had to get to each other's chalets by fucking golf cart. We all had our own golf carts, we had our own butlers. Oh, it's fucking had, great. And no, to begin with we were like this, we're fucking made it. But we yeah. were the only people in this hotel. So it was literally fifteen guys, no women. We were in the middle of fucking nowhere on a golf course. It was just men running around naked. <laughs> Holy shit. That would be... Uh, those those uh, those international tours are more fun than like Montreal or Aspen ever was. Because you go do like the Cape Town Comedy Festival and then you're down there for a month hanging out with the same guys every fucking night. Partying every fucking night. But also the good thing is you get fucking wasted on drugs and you get your dick out. <laughs> There's no promoter there that's yeah. going to stop you from getting on TV in the future. Like No one gives a shit. No one. You go to strip clubs in South Africa and the lap dance is the equivalent of $4. Uh, we went to a strip club. We went all went to a strip club with Sam, I think, was the guy running the festival. Yeah. And the lady, the girl was like, and I was married at the time. Yeah. And I was like, I, my wife's cool going to a strip club. She didn't give a fuck. Lap dance, she didn't give a fuck. I grew up in the South. We were born, we were raised on that shit. Yeah. And uh, the girl goes, I can't do accents the way you can, but she's like, uh, 
touch or no touch. I'm fucking. I can't touch do or no touch. Yeah, touch or no touch. And I went, who the fuck gets no touch? Yeah. And so I was like, touch. I kept definitely getting touch. Dollar more. Dollar more. <laughs> And then we went in there, and I, I didn't oh, realize great-looking girls, I, as well. amazing! They're gorgeous. Yeah, yeah. And but the, looking I didn't realize it. Probably touch most, a lot of them might have AIDS or whatever. It is, yeah. it is Africa, but you know, it's <laughs> one in four people they reckon down there. One in four. It's fucking insane, man. We, uh, but the whole touch thing was that they could touch your dick, and I was like, oh no, touch. I'm sorry, I was misunderstood. <laughs> I thought I could touch you, and she's like, "Yeah, you can touch me anyway. I don't give a fuck. T- touch means I jerk you off." And I was like, uh, "No touch, no touch." Um, but uh, but yeah, I uh, that those tours are funny shit. Well, when I'm going down there now, I'm just going for five days. Who you go with? Just you? I'm just going by myself. Just do a couple of theaters. But I, 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 the problem is, you know how it is when you got little kids. I feel like if I'm away from him for more than a week, I sort of I get a little bit. I get a little bit cats in the cradle. Don't I get I get a little bit like I'm missing his childhood. Don't get me started. Yeah. I've fucking missed. I've missed. I've been torn. I've been on the road for ten years straight. I've been just and I when I do Travel Channel, I'm gone for like mm. big chunks, like two weeks at a time, mm. three weeks at a time. So I, I'm I'm dealing with it now. I'm home for like three weeks is my chunk home. Yeah. So I'm spending time with the kids, and I just like yeah, I fucking missed a bunch of it. But you know what? You got to work. But it's also it's also that thing that when you get home after you spend like seven hours with him, you're like, all right, yeah. I'm, I'm back up to speed. <laughs> all right, we're all good. I'm going back on the road. <laughs> so you start your bus tour Wednesday? I start my bus tour Wednesday. We're starting, in San, we're starting in San Francisco and we're going down, you know, oh no, Portland, San Francisco. What's the other place up there? Seattle. Seattle, Portland, San Francisco. And then we're driving down to... LA to do a gig yeah. so I'll sleep in my own bed and then we're off to Denver which is going to take two days and we're just going to put some you're gonna animals hit, you're going to hit Phoenix at all? no we're not I just did Phoenix but, okay. but, but, and then we're going to do Denver then we're going down to Texas for like Austin Dallas and um, we're stopping off like there's two stop off days one, one I think we're stopping off in Vegas the other one we're stopping off in Amarillo Amarillo? So, yeah it's a fucking I used to do a club down there I all I know it is from that song that's very popular in Britain is this the way to Amarillo? I've been weeping like a willow. Who do you tour with? Uh, Forrest Shaw and Jason John Whitehead. Yeah. If, if I use one of them at any given time. Okay. So Jason I've known since back in the day. And Forrest, you know Forrest? Uh-uh. Oh, he's a Miami comic. He moved out here for a while ago, but he used to do all my support spots down there. Very oh, yeah, funny. yeah, yeah. Just I got... did his first Conan set. He's very, doing well. It was, uh, I talked to Dave Williamson. Dave, you do know Dave? Dave, I know a few Dave Williamsons actually. <laughs> Seriously? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I talked to Dave Williamson. They were talking about the sunglasses story. Which, by the way, uh, I, 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 I want to hear your side. I've cleared that up. Which Dave Williamson is this? Uh, Dave from Miami. Uh, I, I've cleared this up. I rang her up. I went. You, you talked to her? I rang her up. Yeah. I, so okay. Just the day after I spoke to you about it, because here's was, what happened. I was like angry about it, but I rang her up. I sorted it all out. Oh, do you want to? You don't want to talk about it? I can. No, I can talk. I don't. About I don't even give a fuck. I literally. I always thought it was. I always thought it was. I it's so interesting because I told you the story when we were doing some storytelling yeah. show, and I thought you'd think it was funny. Yeah. And you were like, "No, I don't find that funny at all." And I was like, "Oh fuck!" And then I was like, "Well, because it's it wasn't it, it wasn't that, what that's I not heard. What happened? Really? But it is in okay. The girl that told us, I'm not going to name a name, but I don't mind naming her name. The, I don't the, think she cares. I'm well, not serious. yeah, I'm not. I'm not here to. You know, my fans can be cunts, and okay. you know what I mean. I yeah. Like, I don't want them to. You know, don't get that as a soundbite. My fans can be cunts. <laughs> Anyone can be cunts. You know, yeah. we're all we've all got the ability. Yeah. Um. Uh. No. We, what happened was it was I was at the punchline. 
You were the first person to tell this story, and I've heard the story about five times since, mate. Really? And that's why I was getting a bit shitty about it. Cause I, what I, I, was, I only told it to you, by the way. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I never, like, she told it to me, I told it to you, and then I was like, and then I realized you weren't cool, then I was like, oh, I'm not going to tell it to anybody. What, what? And then Dave Williamson told it to me, and I went, who's Dave Williamson? Dave's, Dave's Forrest's best friend. Oh, okay. I don't know Forrest, but I know that Dave and Forrest are good friends. Dave told it to me, and then you texted me, and you're like... I know who it is. And I was like, God damn Oh, it. no, that's right. Because Forrest did some investigating for I was me like, to find out. Yeah, and I was like, why wouldn't... I go In my head, I was like, I don't know Forrest. But I go, why wouldn't... I go, just tell me Jim wants to know. I'll, I'll call Jim in a heartbeat. But yeah. I was like, I felt like used. I felt like Dave and Forrest had teamed up to use me. And I was like, oh. <laughs> no, Forrest, Forrest said, I'm going to get to the bottom of this. I'm going to figure out who it was. Because I thought it was... A, for a while there, I thought it was another girl. And I was always quite curt to her. And it turned out she'd done nothing wrong to me. <laughs> I thought it was another person. I thought I thought that's the sunglasses bitch. <laughs> that's the sunglasses bitch. <laughs> what happened was, was the punchline in Atlanta. And I will say this, I'm gonna start this off. I actually feel like you are more misunderstood more often than anyone I anyone I know. Oh, all right. well, I feel, I feel what like, you're saying is a lot of people think I'm an asshole. No, no. Well, no, I know that you got into a, you got into a fight with one of my friends one time, and I was like, I remember calling my friend and going, like, he's actually a great guy. I don't who know who what else the, did I get in a fight with? Cowhead. Oh, yeah, Cowhead. Yeah, that was... That, well, I didn't get a fight with him. Me and him are made up as well. Yeah, 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 yeah. But I, I called I got, Cal. I got into a fight with his mate, yeah. his sidekick Galvin. mate. Galvin. But I told Cal, I go, I go, trust me, Jim Jeffries is solid as fuck. I was like, I, 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 and I'm, I've known Cal for 15 years. No, me, me and him are made up. Yeah. We're all right, me and him. Yeah. Um, he actually was very nice. He, he, he wrote that he saw my, even when we were having a feud, he wrote that he saw my special and it was very funny. You're, fu- you're easily <laughs> one of the funnier fucking dudes working right now. So what happened was I was, I was at the punchline in uh, Atlanta, right? Yeah. And I get picked up by the owner of the comedy club. I've got my suitcase. I've got all my shit. I've been traveling, not all day, but I've been traveling to Atlanta. Yeah. And and the the guy picks me up and you know when like I always prefer to just be picked up by a car service yes because then when you picked I, or just one of the bartenders picks me up give me yeah give me a bartender who doesn't want to fucking talk yeah. or or give me a car service when the owner picks me up I'm always like okay it looks like we'll be chatting yeah and now yeah. you're gonna know that I'm drunk yeah it feels like work already now yeah. I came in this was I came in the night before my first gig so if I start okay. on a Thursday I've come in Wednesday night to do press the next morning yeah okay. So I, I've come in, I've come in, probably landed at like eight o'clock or something. The guy drives me up and he goes, he goes, hey, uh, I got, I thought we were going to the hotel. And he goes, oh, we're going to have to stop by the club. I've got some things to do or whatever. i got some, the, the club to take. And I'm like, all right. Yeah. You know, you're not going to argue. Especially, I just come out to this country as well. I wasn't in any States. Go, just take me to the hotel. You but, but you were coming in to do a theater. No, no, no. I was just right. coming into the, cl- the comedy club. Oh, really? Yeah, I was just coming into the comedy club. Okay. Right? This is six years ago or something. I was out here for one of my month-long stints or whatever, okay. right? And so I'm coming out to do the comedy club, and, and, and he goes, we have to stop by the club, blah, 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 blah. He goes, he goes there's not many people there, et cetera, et cetera, but it would be really cool if you could get up and do a set, right? And I'm like, I don't know, I, you know. And then, but it's the owner. I'm all willing to please. And I'm like, sure, yeah, yeah, okay, I'll get up and do By the way, set. this story is completely different from the one I heard. Yeah. I, I, I'll, I'll come in and do it. So I rock up at the club. I'm already grumpy, right? Yeah. I've got my suitcase. I've got. I'm still like. I'm. I'm still wearing my sunglasses because I've been flying all day. Yeah. I, I left when it was sunny, right? <laughs> yeah. And and I go in, and then he waves the girl who's on stage off. 
And then she comes up to the wing, the MC goes on. I have an interaction with her that I don't really remember. And I'll tell her version of the story afterwards. So okay. I'll tell her full version. So there's full disclosure. I leave all my stuff in the dressing room. I get up and do a set. I come back out. I'd left my sunglasses on the table. And I go, where's my fucking sunglasses? And then I was like, because I, I, you can see that dressing room door from the stage. Yeah. And I know that no one went in there or out there. Now I'm still like, can I just get to the hotel? Now I'm just sitting around the bar with a big suitcase. Yeah. And I, I'm like, and then I went, someone once, it, it was only two people who went in the dressing room. It was this one and this one. And I asked to look in a bag and I looked in a bag and, it, and sunglasses. And she went, oh, I must have picked them up by accident. Right? Yeah. I didn't say anything about it ever again. I suspected that she stole them, but you got to take people on face value. Yeah. And I went, I went, all right, no problem, no harm, no foul. I got my sunglasses back, excellent. Yeah. And then I went about my life, right? Yeah. Then I hear stories back from you now. The story that she has, and I've spoken to her like four days ago. Okay. So I can tell you the exact story because she told it to me from her point of view. And it's the same one I said? Yeah, pretty much. Okay. <laughs> from, from, from her point of view, I came into the club and demanded to go on stage, which is not, you That's can not- ask any, con- I don't want to work. I'm, I'm not one of these guys. I'm not one of these guys who shows up at the improv and ways, and then goes on for an hour. Right. It's just not my. I'd, I'd rather plan a gig and do it. I don't like spare the momenty things, and I also don't like doing ten minutes anymore. I'm not particularly good at it anymore. Yeah. So I, I also I've never shown up to a comedy club with a suitcase. I'd always want to go to my hotel. I'm yeah. not so desperate to get stage time that I'm like fuck it. You know what I mean? So in her eyes, I demanded. <laughs> I demanded to get on stage. Then when she came off, uh, allegedly in her... Well, this is her version of the story, but things can change. I put my bag and I put my sunglasses on the table and I said, watch my sunglasses. (laughs) Now, I don't believe I said this. I believe I would have said something to the effect of... But also, I'm a little bit spazzy in the brain. I'm a little... Sometimes I've got... One of my friends always tells me when I'm in shops that I'm really rude to the storekeepers and stuff like that. I I don't mean to be, but I'm like... How much is this, right? Yeah. yeah. But in my mind, I'm going, excuse me, shopkeep. I was wondering, <laughs> you know what I mean? That's, that's how I'm, in my mind, I talk like that, yes, right? Yes. But in reality, I'm going, how much? Yeah. Right? <laughs> so, so. It's it, my, you're, like, you're like my wife. Yeah. My wife thinks she's being polite to people. I go, you just treated that woman like a bitch. She's like, no, I didn't. Yeah, yeah. I was like, I, what are you talking about? I can't, my girlfriend pulls me out. I can't see it. Yeah. <laughs> I, I don't believe that in my mind, in my mind, I said, yeah. and I believe that I probably said somewhere in between what she thinks I said and what I think I said. Somewhere in between, yeah. I, I think I said, my stuff's all right back here, right? You're going to be back here? Something like that, yeah. right? Because yeah. there's a very open door. The audience can walk in. I, I, yeah. I said something like, I can leave, you're, you're going to be back here, right? I can leave my stuff here, right? That's yeah. what I think I said. Yeah. Which is still fairly rude, no, right? No, that's not right? bad. But, but she thinks I went, Mind my sunglasses, which it took me an hour to find them. If I said mind my sunglasses, she would have been the first person I would have come to when I lost my sunglasses. It just stands to reason that I would have gone, you're in charge. (laughs) Right? So anyway, so she felt so slighted on the whole idea that I came in, stormed in. She was headlining. I don't know where she was at in her career or something, but you know when you're getting your first... She was was featuring... When you're getting not your, everywhere, but it was her first headlining. When thing. you get your first headlining gigs and a thing, I know that can be very important yeah. to you and stuff like that. Believe me, 
I never wanted to go on stage. Yeah. I never asked to go on stage. I was basically told to do the gig. I did. Then she goes to the owner of the club, who I hear at that time was her manager. Yeah. And then he, as club owners, she goes, "Why the fuck did he go?" On? And then she, he felt a bit panicky, and he went, "He just asked to go on." Yep. You, you got to learn in this business when the bigger acts ask to go on. You know, he did a bit of that bullshit, right? Yeah. Which we've all been told when we're starting out that we got to be respectful to the, you know. And so, so she stole my sunglasses as some type of revenge or something. Now I'm all for misunderstandings, right? <laughs> but how do you have a story? Where your sunglasses are stolen by someone, and the person who steals your sunglasses is the hero, and you're the asshole. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> I'm the fucking asshole. It, I, it. She called me, yeah, uh, from the green room. Right. She called me from the green room. She goes, you know, I'm I'm in Vegas. Yeah. Is I'm walking around. It's late. Yeah. And I just got done my show, and she calls me. She goes, you know, Jim Jeffries. I go, yeah, he's great. She goes, yeah. I said, yeah, he's awesome. Why? Are you working with him? She goes, no, no. I said, this fucking incident. And then she tells it. She tells it like you said, like that misunderstanding way. Yeah. And I, and, and she goes, and he told me to watch his sunglasses. And I said, okay. She goes, and I go, no, no, it's probably a misunderstanding. It's cool. Why? What did you do? And she goes, I stole his sunglasses. <laughs> I go, oh, I definitely give those back. She goes, I don't know what to do. I'm panicking. I feel like a fucking, I'm already out. I don't like, and, but. But she was saying it, like you said, from the misunderstanding point well, of view. She probably rang then from the point, because I was looking for him for about an hour, and I knew something was amiss. Yeah. And it's not even that, that, that big a deal, a pair of sunglasses, but it was, it was just someone screwed with me here. That yeah. I was a bit, you know what no, I mean? Well, it's, it's interesting to hear your side of the story, because that is actually what has happened to me a number of times. As you come in, find the Miami Improv, they pick you up, they take you right to the club, and they're like, they're like hey, do you want to go on? And you're like, ugh. And you don't realize... That you're, you don't you're like I, yeah because you want to be cool yeah and you get put into a situation where another comic sees it like you you came in it's came like straight off the plane straight off the plane like kick tell whoever's on stage to wrap it up the big big dogs coming in yeah yeah like and that's not what happened no yeah and so it's so funny because I told you the story thinking that you would find it funny and you're like who the fuck was it like yeah that, that bitch stole my sunglasses because <laughs> from your point of view it's it really is. Uh, you you really kind of were victimized. Yeah, yeah. I I, I didn't want to be there. I got my sunglasses stolen. Yeah. I just got. And so I rang her up. I I, I first friended her on, on Twitter, and we're all cool now. So I'm not speaking ill of the girl. I I I I rang her up, and I went. Um, I I said I, I I first direct message on Twitter. I said, look, I just want to, I just want to fucking. Smooth this out. I think she thought I was ringing up to go, fuck you, you fucking, which I wasn't yeah. doing. I just wanted to explain my side of the story. And then she, she wrote back to me going, she goes, she goes, uh, I, go, I just want to talk about the, uh, the sunglasses thing. And then she wrote back to me, she goes, when you told me to watch your sunglasses and devalued me as a human being. And, I go, and I'm like, that's the incident, yes. <laughs> And I just, I just thought, I, I rang her up. I said, look, I told, and then as soon as I said, I didn't want to go on the club. And then she went, oh, oh, that changes everything. Yeah, it really does change everything. In her eyes, I think she thought that you, yeah, but, but oh, that's it, not. But also, also in her eyes, everything I said in the dressing room when she came off is tinted 
with assholery. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, so even if I said, oh, can you watch those for me or something like that? It's pretty dicky, but it's not the worst thing in the world you can say. No, right? not but even If close. you just wave someone off and then go on and do this for me, that's a bit cunty. So everything I did after that seemed extra cunty. Yeah. You know what I mean? When I was just, and then I'm like, these people fucking hate me. I don't even know why I'm here. Do you feel, do you feel like that? So you guys are all cool? Yeah, yeah, we're fine. We're I, I, fine. I always, it, it was a big bummer in, in my head after I talked to you about it because I was like, damn it. I was like, she's so cool and she's Jim's type of person. Like, yeah. like not, not that I know, not that I know you that well in that I can pick who you are, but you are, you genuinely are a comic spirit more than this, uh, more than like a guy who wants fame. You, yeah. you can't change who the fuck you are. Right. You will always be a comic. You appreciate comics. You appreciate good comedy. You're amazing on fucking radio. Like, I remember hearing you on Opie and Anthony and being like... Well, I was always like, totaled. You came, you came in on Ecstasy one time, I think. I, w- I went in on... just not just not I'd just taken Ecstasy after taking five lots of Ecstasy. I was with Andrew Maxwell, an Irish comic. Yeah. Very good Irish comic. And it was... I'd flown in like a day early just to Opie and Anthony with the whole spirit of get to bed, get up early, go to Opie and Anthony... <laughs> And I was in L- I was in New York all by myself. I didn't really know anyone. Yeah. You know? And then Andrew Maxwell wings me up and goes, It's St. Patrick's Day. You're coming up. And I was <laughs> like, All right. So they brought like Irish comics out to play Gotham. Really? Yeah. They'd flown like all the Irish, like real Irish comics, not just like, like Ed know. Byrne? Yeah, like Remember Ed that guy? Bur- yeah, I know, I know I know Ed very well. Does yeah. he still do stand up? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Dude, he we, me and Patrice went over to his house one night. I mean, I hope Ed doesn't mind me sharing secrets. Well, I know his house very well, but yeah, yeah. Yeah, but he oh no, he we we were in a flat in uh, Edinburgh. Right, right. And he we just fucking models and rails of cocaine. And I remember being like Fuck yes. Well, as long as that was five, six years ago. Ten, 15, Ten years. That's fine. That's fine. That's, fine. that's not going to ruin his marriage. Yeah. She knows yeah. that. No, uh, yeah. his, his, wife, his wife's in comedy PR, so she, she knows about, yeah. about that. Yeah. Um, but yeah, those Irish comics, man, get down. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So a- Andrew, and then he had some contact in New York, some inheritance type kid. And we, we just took fucking mountains of drugs. And then we were on the roof of this guy's penthouse apartment just watching the sun come up and i was like radio radio (laughs) and like you know when you know when you're on so many drugs that you're like well i i can act sober because you're so confident you know what i mean now so you know when you go to opie and anthony and you you go there it's it's like getting into fucking the white house yeah you're like three security checks you got to get a pass they've got a radio upstairs for you I came with this sort of playboy drug dealer lad and Andrew Maxwell, who weren't on the list. Yeah. And somehow, with the charm of drugs, I bullshitted my way into the building, up to the studio, right? Yeah, I never thought about that. Like, you, everyone needs a pass to get up to Sirius XM. Yeah, I lied my way into there. Oh. Right up until we were so on drugs that I bashed on the window like a fucking ape. Like, no! <laughs> I made it! And they're like, right away, normally they're like, let's just wait for a break. And we're coming up, we got Jim Jeffries, and then you come in after a little ad break yeah. type of thing. And they're like, Anthony was like, bring Jim in right now. Bring Jim in right now. <laughs> <laughs> and I come in, and I'm trying to, I'm trying to talk about like how you Americans and Irish people, it's not like that. The Irish people aren't, they're not all diddly D, and you people all have your four-worth clover, fucking tattoos, all you people who think you're Irish. You're not fucking Irish, but I'm doing all this. <laughs> 
the fucking Irishman sitting next to me is wearing a green jacket and fucking four-leaf clover sunglasses. <laughs> <laughs> like a moron. And like beads around his neck like he's just being in oh. New Orleans. Like, <sighs> oh, it was one of the most epic appearances. It's It was... I I... I used to be so ashamed of it. Really? Yeah, because I, I the, the the getting wasted and acting like a fool, and I was so rude to that to that 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 porn star Justine Jolie or whatever. Oh, yeah. If I ever see her again, I'll have to apologize because I was horrible to that girl. I was I was, I said something to her like I eat your shit, which is a standard type of line. Yeah, and then she goes, <laughs> which is a standard type of line, standard type of disgusting thing to say. Yeah, and then she goes. Uh, she goes. Uh, she goes. Oh, I think I'd like that. And I go. No, you wouldn't. I'm going to get it out with a knife. <laughs> <laughs> she done nothing wrong. She was just sitting there. Oh fuck. She was just sitting there, and oh. I'm like acting like a fucking jerk. God, what's uh? Did do you think? Do you think that, like, in your experience, that British comics are different than American comics spirit wise? I think. I, I like, think they they are different. Yes, I don't think. I think funny is funny across the world. I, I, I don't like the idea of the British sense of, Like, Australians are big on the Aussie sense of humour. The Aussie, But then you go over there. I get panned by critics more in Australia than I do anywhere else. Really? Because it's a little bit of tall poppy syndrome. You know, I I'm, I'm may be the biggest stand-up Australian comic ever. And I, I, I'm trying not to say that really arrogantly, but... No. But you know, there's Tim Minchin. Tim Minchin's a different thing. That's piano and all that type of stuff. What's and that? then there's Tim Minchin's a very popular comic. He he's also a musician. He wrote the um, the music and lyrics to Matilda. Very talented guy. Okay. Um, and and uh, but then there's like you know Barry Humphreys who does Damien Irvish. But that's a different thing. But straight stand up, just straight up stand up. There's never been a guy who really cracked America from Australia. Uh, Yahoo serious? No, <laughs> not stand up. Same thing. Paul, Wait, did he do stand up? No, Paul Hogan oh, yeah. didn't do stand up either. Yeah, no, no, no. They, I was, jo- both... was joking about Yahoo serious, but yeah, you're. I, I can't think of an Australian comic. And there's there's thousands of them. So when you go back, sometimes the Australian uh, comedy powers that be are a little bit. You know, I, look, I'd sell more tickets in Australia than do anywhere else. I just did 7,000 seats in Brisbane, right? And one really? on Monday, right? I outsold Rihanna. She was there like the, the week before me in the arena. Holy right? shit. Like, like, but, then, but then it's like the media will just... Because really, the Australian sense of humour is what I do. It's dirty jokes and it's storytelling and it's yeah. stuff. like That's what we're famous for. But uh, You're so good. I, I don't have a problem admitting when i see fucking just mastery when we did that storytelling you told a story that i don't think you've ever told before and about doing coke with two girls oh that's the first time i told it we did it in that little room yeah and it was that that became a routine that night you know (laughs) it was such a great fucking story and it's like the little nuance of it but it's your i mean i guess it is i I would venture to say i kind of feel like i have an australian sense of humor because i like big dirty stories big dirty like i don't have a problem you don't you're not gonna offend me well, this is what I'm getting at. So I don't believe in all this sense of humor. I believe funny is funny across the board. I think the only time that your humor becomes like Americanized or, or British or whatever yeah. is when you just do regional jokes. And I, think, and I think the worst thing an Australian comic or a British comic can do when they come out to America is you do this, we do that. Yeah. Same thing, Australian comics in Britain. There's loads of Australian comics in Britain. A lot of them do the, oh, you British people fucking do this and we do that. And it's funny, but it's, it doesn't travel very well. Anyway... The difference I find between, say, American... I, I know the British comedy scene more than the Australian, but the difference between the British and the, the American comedy scene is is, um, is the British people have a slightly lesser lack of ambition, which is, which is a good thing, 
which is a good thing in the sense that there's more camaraderie. Yeah. We're over here. It's it's fucking it's a dog eat dog industry. Yeah, I that, that, I feel like there are like the British comics when you hang out with them, they don't it, they're not asking what you they can get from you. Yeah. And I'll tell you why that is. It's very simple and it's nothing to do with their sensibility. It's the way to do with how the comedy scene is structured over there. So, in the comedy there's comedy clubs and theaters over there, right? Yeah. Now, when you get to be a big name in in America, you you start just headlining comedy clubs and you're taking a cut of the door and you're the name on the page. There's no name in the comedy clubs. You go down to the comedy store in London, you're just going there on a Saturday night because you know you'll have a good night. There'll be three acts and an MC. Yeah. Everyone's doing 20 minutes and the MC will do about 30 minutes dispersed across the whole thing, right? Yeah. And everyone's getting 200 pounds. Might have gone up to 220 now or something like that, right? Everyone gets 200 pounds. So we're all on the same money. So you can buy me a drink, I can buy you a drink, we can all share a bag of Coke, we can do it. You know what I mean? Everyone's yeah. on an equal playing field. And if you get too big for that club, they're never going to up your wage. You, it's up to you to go book yourself a theatre and try your luck and see if people will come and see you. But otherwise, everyone in the club's is the same. Now, here in America, you've got three guys in the room, three girls or whatever, but, and we're all earning different money. And right, so you've got one guy earning five grand a show, Another person earning 50 bucks, another person earning 150. Yeah. And so that does add a little bit of us and them mentality to the whole thing. Yeah. Which the British don't have. It's, it's a lot of, you know, it's also over here, you go, why is that guy getting so much money? He's fucking shit, right? Where yeah. in Britain, it's like, ah, oh, that guy's shit, but who gives a fuck? He's not earning more than me. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> We're all earning the same shit together. Okay, yeah. Because I feel, I always felt like when you hang out with British comics, there was more, it was more about like, it, it's almost what you'd, what you'd, what I remember in New York to be a tad bit. Before I knew people were headlining, mm. it was just New York, you just go and everyone just hung out and everyone was getting the same for the weekend. Yeah, exactly. You, and, and it was like, uh, it was like, yeah, there, there were monsters. But then, and then you, there'd be, there were guys that were just destructive. And there were guys from SNL, but it was like more like a very camaraderie routine. You come out to LA, and I feel like, uh, I mean, I don't feel like it anymore because I don't really hang out much. I think, but. People are, I, think, I think it's getting a little bit less, but it used to be, even when I first moved out here, that people were just trying to... The comics in this country were trying to get a good five together, which I see as a pointless activity. Yeah. But everyone was trying to get a good five because I've got to get my letterman set. I've got to get my... It was beginning to get less and less as those spots become less important to your career. They do nothing for your career. Yeah. They used to mean... Even, but just five years ago, people used to still think this is going to do something for yeah. me, you know? And people were so focused on the tight five. And I, I can't think of anything worse than doing a tight five. I think everyone should be focused on their hour so that they can tour it. And then the, 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 the next thing is, even if you're not famous, even if you're not famous, if there's any comics, aspiring comics listening, the most important thing in comedy is coming up with new material each year. Yeah. That's the number one thing. doesn't even matter if it's as good as the last stuff. I believe that, that uh, quantity is almost more important than quality in this game. Really? Yeah, because you, you fucking. What is the fucking point of having the best twenty minutes on earth if you if you're not going to change it up? People will see you twice; they won't see you three times. You know, you've got to keep the quality up, of course. Yeah. But if you've got something new, fucking bring it out as quick as possible. Just keep on bringing it out, and then obviously don't record it till it's high high quality. Yeah. But people will be happy if they've seen all your specials and they come to your show and they're like, "You didn't repeat anything." That's yeah. like that's like the comments that people always put on things after my gigs. They go, "You didn't repeat a single joke." And, and it's it's not even they're not even saying whether I'm funny. They're just so happy that I did that because it's they just saw a new show, you know. Hey Jim, Jim, do you know what I wanted to talk to you? I wanted to talk to you about Audible.com. 
Okay, clearly this is an ad, and I just inserted it in the middle, but I thought I could slide it in and you wouldn't notice. Audible.com is our sponsor. They have more than 180,000 audiobooks and spoken word audio products. Get a free audiobook of your choice at www.audiblepodcast.com backslash BurtCast. You know what I'd get? I'd get The War of Art by Stephen Pressfield. Get that. You'll fucking love it. All right, back to the show. Yeah, I think I think people, I think the comedy collective unconscious of the comedy uh, fans hmm. is more, they're more tuned into what Louie and Bill brought out with this like, burn burn it all, fucking write a new hour. Because yeah. I remember when I, was in, when I was in Seattle last, this I, I, I have a story that I have to tell every fucking time I'm on stage. Hmm. I just, I mean, I, I literally, I cannot get away from it. And I, I wish to God that I could that I don't wish to God. I'm very grateful that anyone wants to hear anything I fucking do. Yeah, sure. but I'm definitely not at your place touring wise. I'm not doing theaters. I'm not selling seven thousand seats. I'm well, still only in Brisbane. You yeah, haven't but... been to Brisbane. <laughs> <laughs> they, they, they starved of entertainment in Brisbane. <laughs> but uh, but yeah, but like I'm not I'm not on tour buses. I'm just doing clubs still. And and uh, and I probably have half of my fans, half are new people. Yeah, and the half that are new. Are bring are all everyone wants to hear the same goddamn story. So, well, I've got at the moment. I have a, I have a bit off my last special that's gone. I won't say viral. Well, viral. I guess I don't know. But I I had a routine about a gun control routine. Yeah. Which which people are, there's one university use it now as in lectures. Really. In, for law students, which is some of my statistics were questionable. So I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, I wouldn't teach it in schools. Yeah, it is, don't hold it me to this, guys. <laughs> it was strictly made for entertainment purposes. Um, but uh, 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 so, but now the problem I've got is so it's a 15 minute routine that I did on guns, and it gets Netflix take it off the internet, and they put it got like three million hits, and they took it off, and then it got each each sort of couple of months it gets another 300,000, they take it off, and whatever you know. Yeah. So and and it, it I started seeing it was the first routine of mine that I started seeing being passed around on Facebook from different web pages. That that is by the way that is that is the you you've had a couple of those though. Yeah. I remember I remember <clears throat> uh well, first seeing you there's been the, the muscular dystrophy story sort of did that as well and uh, but but anyway my, my my point is that now people are coming along to see me who think I'm just going to do political shit all day yeah and i had one there's a you can look this up there's a lady from the age and this is the what i'm talking about the australian media stitching me up a little bit was they sent along everyone else got reviewed by comedy reviewers i got reviewed by a woman who runs a woman's shelter who's never <laughs> reviewed comedy in her life why, why would they have her review you well because they wanted to they wanted to have like we call me a misogynistic pig and a this and a that and she she wrote something like that after seeing his gun routine, I was very enthusiastic about how this show would be. But may I say how disappointed I am by the... Oh and, she goes, and then I have a reviewer that said, I left after 10 minutes. How can you review? <laughs> I got one star. I did a two-hour show. How can you only leave after one fucking... What was, the, what was the hour you did at Edinburgh where you were almost like in front of the stage with a beer? Oh, uh, that was... That was I, I really was in, I was good. in front of the stage. That was, um, that was just after I got punched in the head. Yep, and uh, I did the whole video footage of me being punched in the head. That was a great. I I, I don't know where I saw that, uh, but I watched that. Oh, I only did it in that. Oh, oh no, there's yeah, there's, there's a, a there's, recording of it. Yeah, maybe Brett Vincent gave it to me. Yeah, something like yeah. There was a little, but yeah, I I got uh, 
I did. I, I did this. Re- I can't even remember all the material. I can't remember many of it. But the, the, the thirty minutes of the show was me dissecting me being punched in the head on a large screen like sports commentary. But but the best part of the show is that it, it is for any comic. It's it's a real testament to stream of consciousness. It's. I don't think there was anything. Uh, your your style there and your style always has always been very freeform. Yeah. I well. I I have my bit, beats. I have to hit. Yeah. You know, I'm, I'm not going to say that I got... See, one, one of my pet hates with comedy is when you see these... There's, there's a few of these guys in Britain as well who they think that they're ad-libbing kings and they, they just think, I don't even need material. I just go up there and, and free-form in and I go up. And, and then what, they, what pisses me off about it is, first of all, m- most good comics I know have the ability to do that. Yep. You could stand on stage for an hour with using none of your jokes and get laughs for an hour. It wouldn't be as tight or as polished as you doing your material. It's not going to be perfect. And it'll be, a lot of it will be like, the next time I say it, it'll be a lot better. Yeah, but you could do crowd work for an hour. Yeah. And you could be entertaining for an hour with none of your material. Yeah. Right? And they seem to think that that's a skill that only they have. No, most comics have this skill. And then what pisses me off is whenever you see these guys, they, they keep on doing the same ad-libs every time you see them. If you see them once yeah. or twice. And like, oh, don't you look like a big baboon or whatever they say. Yeah, and then you're like, you're not doing that. It's just tricks. I you, hate you, that. You have tricks. It drives me fucking nuts when you see a guy who's like, yeah, I just like to go up there and just kind of fucking riff. So and I, they do the same fucking same riff every yeah. time. And so I, I do, I do my shows are anywhere between an hour thirty and two hours. Your stand up is anywhere between an hour thirty and two hours. Yeah, for my shows. Yeah, yeah. For, so, if, so, but was that were you doing that when you were at the clubs? No, in the clubs I do an hour because yeah. they have to turn around. But in theatres I do an hour and a half to two hours. And like I, I remember reading an interview with Dave Chappelle where they said, when do you know when to get off stage? And he said, there's a moment where you say the perfect joke and it just pings off the back of the room and you get that, that laugh that you want. And that's when you know you have to get off stage. right? Yeah. And, and my answer to that question is when I need to piss. You know, I, I could do slightly longer. I could do... You know what I mean? It's when yeah. I need to piss. I'm drinking up there. Even if I'm drinking water, I'm still drinking liquid the whole time. Yeah. At about a minute, third, like, but I feel like I need to piss. And then I say, all right, I've got 10 minutes in me now. And I wrap it up. And I, <laughs> You know what I mean? Like, I don't see this. I don't, I don't get the Dane Cooks of this world that, and I'm not saying this is a, a bashing Dane Cook, cause, but the, and there's a few, Chappelle does it as well. These people who go down to the improv or the laugh factory and do a seven-hour set. Yeah. Who gives a fuck? Yeah. I could keep talking for seven hours. With, as I said, with no material, you could keep talking for seven. Yeah. It, the, the amount of time isn't impressive. No, no one really wants to watch you for more than two hours. Yeah. No one wants to watch anything, movies or anything. If they, if they wanted to watch movies, if, if people wanted to watch things for more than two hours, The Lord of the Rings would be one film. And you just sit there for fucking eight hours and yeah. watch the whole three movies and just go, you know what I mean? Yeah. But no one wants to do that. We're happy to wait a couple of years even between films. We're like, all right, space that out. That's too long. Yeah. So there's no entertainment in this world that's more than, you know, Paul McCartney does a concert. It's like three hours. No one does anything more than three hours. No one wants to watch anything for more than three hours. That's it. Yeah. So I I, I sort of do, I do an hour and a half if sort of two hours at an early show, maybe an hour and a half for a late show. And the only reason I do it a little less for the late show is is not because I want to get home or anything, but because they're tired. You know, people have finished work and they're, yeah. they're sitting there and, you know, there's nothing worse than watching, especially with a lot of my fans because a lot of them, 
um, get really drunk before they show up. They think that this is the, they want to get pissed up, right? Yeah. And I had one the other day. Where was I? Oh, I was in some place in Canada, um, St. John or St. John's. I did the two. I did one St. John and one St. John's on two different nights, right? It was okay. one of those idiot agent bookings because it's all like Newfoundland and all those, yeah. the Maritimes and all those islands. Who does your booking? Well, I do well in Canada. I sell slightly better in Canada. So I, 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 I sell better in Canada too. I sort of thought to myself, there was a stage that I wouldn't, I didn't think I'd have a new hour because when i say I, I try to get a new hour together and when i say do an hour and a half maybe 20 minutes of that is dicking about you know yeah. like in all crowd work and stuff so so i try or talking about the town that you're in that day you know just whatever happened to you that day yeah and so i i didn't know after i recorded bear that i'd have my new hour ready in time so i said to my agents out of fear i said just book me anything you can in canada because uh because I don't believe it's going to stream in Canada Netflix like right away. Yeah. So I can do all that material. And, you know, if they've seen the material, shame on them for downloading it illegally. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so so I, go, I go up to... Uh, I, I've, I've got the new material anyway, so I've just booked myself into every little small bit of Canada, right? So I'm doing Newfoundland, St. John's to St. John's, which looks like it's only a little 400 miles away. Yeah, but it's two, three little planes, like little shitty six, eight seater planes. Oh fuck that! Right? Yeah. And it was like a twelve hour travel day between them. Like I woke up at six, and then I just got off the plane and went on to the next gig. And I rang, I one time I just rang at my agent like, "Are you fucking kidding me? Yeah, I could be in London by now doing gigs. I could be in Australia doing gigs. <laughs> yeah, fucking." And you get on these little planes in Canada. And I'm just saying like, and there's no everyone's got a window seat. There's four on each side, maybe five on each side, right? Yeah. But, and there's no cockpit. There's just, you're in the cockpit. Yeah. yeah. And the pilot gets up and he's like, okay, all right then. So uh, we're all going to St. John's. And uh, if you want to come up and say hi, just say hi. We're all just sitting here and uh, hope you enjoy your flight. And then the guy's like, ah, fuck, I got to do French now. And he pulls out a bit of paper. <laughs> And this guy, he should have just rehearsed this, know this one bit of dialogue in French. He's got a bit of paper going, Le, le Newfoundland. Le, uh, <laughs> le, le Newfoundland. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like, why don't you just go, why don't you just go, well, any French people? There's only fucking eight of us. Just ask. Or just look and go, oh, that guy looks French. Yeah, yeah, just look and see if we're acting like cunts to each other. <laughs> and just go, uh, uh, and then... But this is the whole idea. What is it with these terrorists who want to hijack big planes and get big buildings? Just hijack small Canadian planes and hit moderate buildings. Do 20 of them at once. <laughs> yeah. Send 20 blokes out there. There's no doors or anything. The Canadians are so polite. You're not going to get any fight back. Yeah. You just get some guy like, oh, so I guess, I guess Mohammed's in charge now. Where are we going? <laughs> Mohammed's in charge. Yeah. How, how, you're, so, you're so good with fucking accents. I can't do any fucking accents. Well, I live with a, I live with a Canadian. And the, oh, I'll tell you something about my dopey Canadian family. Okay, so my, I, I call it my family. I, I'm basically married. I, I have a Canadian girlfriend with a child with her. Yeah. Right? And she comes from a super religious family. Super. I've never told this story before on anything. Um, she comes from a really religious family where she's the youngest of seven. Um, and so she has, she's like a couple of years older than me as well. So she's like 40. And so she has brothers and sisters 
who are like in their like 60s. It's weird to have brother-in-laws that are just old men. Really? Yeah, because she's like the 20-something years apart from, from her to her, you know what oh, I mean? wow. And so she also has nephews and nieces that are the same age as me. Like 38-year-old nephews and nieces. <laughs> yeah. So we're in Calgary. As I said, she grew up super, she grew up with this special religion where they believe in a pope from 400 years ago. They believe current Catholics are too progressive where she couldn't show her limbs and they all had to wear the headdress and, you know, like pretty fucking yeah. out there shit, right? And, uh, and, and so the kids, the nephews who, like, ranging from 30 to 38 were coming to see me. They were all in Calgary, right? Yeah. And Kate's like, oh, I'm worried about them seeing your material, blah, blah, blah. And, she, and I go, well, the younger people, they're probably not as bad as your brothers and sisters were. Or, and, and, and then she goes, just, you know, when you see them, try to be really polite. And, yeah. You know, and I'm, so now I'm stressing. This is the first family members I'm going to meet, right? And I'm like, yeah. So they come backstage. So I order like a massive bottle of vodka, one of those big, huge ones. Like, I don't know, like three liter bottle of vodka. Yeah. Right? And the, the, it's, it's the, uh, what are they called? That you, they, it's the Magnum. The Magnum, yeah. Yeah. So I, I ordered that because I figured there's going to be eight people in the dressing because there's four guys with their wives, right? Or th- one of them was a girl and her husband and. And, and I figure, well, this will be, they can have a, enough for everyone. I got my, I got my support actor, my road guy. And so I think, okay. So I go, well, if anyone wants a drink, you know, I'm trying to make small talk with them. They're all in the dressing room before I go out. And I get off stage after finishing the show. The show went fine. And I go back to my dressing room. That's bone dry. That thing's bone dry. Right? Yeah. <laughs> Three liters of vodka gone. <laughs> yeah. Right. And I'm like, what the fuck has happened here? Like, people must have... There's just empty red solo cups all around the floor. It looks like a fucking mess, right? Yeah. So I go out. I go out to do photos afterwards. And maybe 200 people stayed for photos, which normally takes maybe 40 minutes if you're quick, you uh-huh. know. And so Sam, my my guy who takes all my photos, and my, my road manager, my tour manager, he's there taking photos. My fucking... My religious fucking nephew and niece and laws or whatever they are, who I was meant to act polite, they're wrestling on the floor <laughs> off to the side, doing WWE moves and boom, oh, The Undertaker, oh, like fucking pigs. They're rolling around <laughs> on the pigs. fucking ground, right? And security want to do something. I'm like, are they with that? I sort of related. I. <laughs> Um, and I'm trying to take photos and it's all like there's no music or anything. It's just people queuing up in a foyer and yeah. these people wrestling each other. And I'm like, guys, stop. And they're like, oh, sorry, Jim, sorry. And then they're wrestling a bit. And when Sam, my romance, went, you boys, just sit over there. Yeah. Behave yourself, right? So they're already telling them off. Then one of them, the, the, the bar's got like roller cage door on the front like it's been shut. Like the yeah. He starts bashing on this. And the lady's like, oh, hey, 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 easy there, big guy. <laughs> the, the, the bar is closed, right? And he goes, Jim Jeffries is my uncle. <laughs> this guy's the same age as me. Yeah, Jim right? Jeffries is my uncle. Yeah, it's weird when a grown adult <laughs> says that, right? And I'm like, I'm not his uncle. <laughs> and you, just, you, haven't even, you just met him. Just met him. <laughs> I just met him, and they're all and oh. they all come over and they go, "Oh, sorry about that." And then I'm taking photos with people. They're walking up, going, "We're really sorry if we embarrassed you. We're not going to try to embarrass you anymore, eh?" Right. So we go out to a bar. This is the, that's the best bit of the story. So the rest of this yeah. is just going to dwindle off because I've never talked. 
We go to the pub. This girl comes up to me with a shot glass and she has one herself. She goes, I bought this shot for you. Now, back in the day, I would have drunk in that with her, but I get too wasted. I, I have a tip-off point with drunk where I'm like, like happy, 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 fall on the ground, yeah. right? And so I'm like, oh, I'm not going to do any shots. Thank you. My, my fucking nephew comes up and goes, I'll take it for him. And then drinks it. And she's like, who the fuck is this guy? I go, don't worry about that guy. Don't worry about who he is. Right? Jim Jeffries is my uncle. Jim Jeffries. And then that boyfriend of that guy comes over and wants a fight. We all get fucking kicked out of the bar. And they're just so like, it's a good party, eh? Yeah. You know what I mean? My dopey Canadian relatives, right? That's fucking great. And then they're like, to me, they're like, hey, you want to come back? They live like 20 miles out of 10. You want to come back to our place for a fire? I'm like, what are you talking about? <laughs> and I went, for a fire? It's snowing. Like, there's like five foot of snow around us. Yeah. Right? You want to come back for a fire? Oh. And I'm like, and I think it's some type of slang Canadian term for want to come back and smoke some weed. Yeah. Right? Do you want to come back for fire? And I said, no, I, I'm going to get my hotel's over the road. We live like 20 miles. No, no I'm just going to go to bed. Yeah. I ring Kate up the next day and I go, I go, what the fuck was this? What? And she goes, I'm so embarrassed. I'm like, yeah. Then they invite me back for a fire. Well, they asked me to go back there and smoke weed, I, I guess. She goes, no, 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 no. They were asking you to go back to the house to light a bonfire in the backyard. Are you fucking- These fucking Canadians. <laughs> That was like an offer. My hotel room was over there. You yeah. come back and stand around a fire in our dirt track of a backyard. Getting a drunk in icy weather yeah, after I've been drunk, drunk as fuck. Yeah, Drive 20 miles. Yeah, yeah. Stand in your backyard and have a fire. <laughs> so, yeah, I, I, that's, that's, that's my, my family on, on that side. I, How did you I, meet your chick? She was the prostitute on Legit. Oh yeah, I got the first actress I worked with pregnant. I'm a, I'm a genius. <laughs> I'm a genius. Yeah, she was the girl who played the prostitute on the pilot episode of Legit. And then where I, you get where you get DJ DJ to get late, him late. late right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. getting late. Yeah. I love Legit. Yeah, I thought the second season was pretty good, but you know, FXX, we just couldn't. There's like a whole campaign to bring it back. People were signing petitions and websites and stuff like that. And I, I. I tell you what, if anyone's listening who is a legit fan, there is a small chance at the moment because I've 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 had a little offer of uh, the, I don't know if there's any chance to bring it back on TV because Netflix would have to bring it back and or 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 you know some other like IFC or something like that. Yeah. Um, but there is a small chance of there being a movie because it did very well overseas that show. Really, and if if I could make a movie for a million bucks, which is a little bit more than an episode cost, an episode was about eight hundred thousand. If I could make a movie for a million bucks and sell it to all these other countries, um, like put it on Australian television, all these places that that sort yeah. of did well, it did very well in Israel for whatever reason. Really, it was really popular. I'll tell you why it was popular in Israel. It was on after the Big Bang Theory. So, so all this like, oh, it's not rating well. We, we we didn't have a lead in or anything. We were on FXX all by ourselves after yeah. old episodes of Ali G. Like, you give us a good lead in, and people get to watch it. People liked it. People people don't understand how difficult it is to premiere content and get numbers on a premiere when you have when people aren't on that channel in the first place. And, and no advertising, no gra- we had, we had people F- didn't even know what FXX was. We had FX going. Can we get some billboards up or something like that? And they're like, ah, oh, they don't work. Yeah. And I'm like, then why do I drive around and see FX billboards everywhere if they don't work? Yeah. Why are you bother? Like, I accept your answer. I'm a trusting guy. You tell me they don't work, 
I believe they probably don't work because they're only up in LA anyway. Yeah. But why do I drive past Louis, the comedian, Sunny in Philadelphia billboards? They're all over the place, right? Yeah. Oh, they, they don't, they don't, they don't work. And then they said to me, "We only." And I go, "But I drive past FX." They go, "Oh, you've probably seen the Americans and all that other stuff." We don't do billboards for comedy, and they just kept on lying to me. Really? Like, like there was no money put into marketing the thing. Anyway, the good news is that on IMDb and stuff like that, it gets like an eight point two, and those statistics don't lie. That's thousands of people voting yeah. on a Metacritic and all that. Critically, it did better than anything FX has put on since. You know, with the oh, critics. Yeah. But yeah, so I, there is a chance I might make a movie if I could possibly sell it to Netflix or whatever like that because I've got a, I've got a backer in. Uh, I can say this. I've got a backer in Australia who is interested. In, so the problem is that I'd have to make, I think for the tax rebates and stuff like that from the Australian government, I'd have to make half the film in Australia. Yeah. So it might be a little bit like the facts of life down under. Like, like we're all going to Australia. <laughs> i got to figure out a storyline where that's a plausible. We're taking a go on muscular dystrophy. Dude. The best muscular dystrophy doctor is in Australia. <laughs> And you, I, w- I would love to see integrations like, so this is our Qantas Airlines. <laughs> yeah. Well, this is, so this is the A380? Fantastic. So this is the upper deck. Oh, fantastic. <laughs> That's exactly right. Like, oh, we would have a lot of that and that. Why not, though? Why not? Why not? You know, you're. I think if we do it with full disclosure and we do a little yeah. wink, wink and a nod, I don't give a fuck. I'd do anything to work with DJ and Dan Bacadol again. And, you know, they're both. They're both like I haven't gotten any major acting work since you know I did a, actually I did a movie with Reese Darby who's one of my best mates. Reese Darby, he's Murray of Fly of the Concords. Okay, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah and he, um, he does helicopters and he's like a Jim Carrey type guy. Yeah, he's the opposite of what did I do. He do does, is he the one that did the movie about the vampires? Oh, he's in. The, he's the werewolf. Yeah. In okay. The, he's, yeah. The, he's the werewolf. He goes uh, werewolves, not swearwolves. He's the yeah. redhead. But it's it's um it's uh, Jermaine Clement. Who's the guy? Who's the main werewolf in that? Okay, um, but he was the Fly of the Concords and uh, Christian Shaw and Reese Darby were the four main characters in that. And then he was he was in Yes Man with Jim Carrey. I never saw that. We I don't know, if, you know, but he was that yeah. was his big Hollywood film that he did. Right? Okay, he's done a few others. So anyway, I did a movie with him and Ken John, um, uh, called uh, we have I don't know the official name because it's still being edited. It's called uh, Killing David Hasselhoff or Celebrity Death Pool. I like Celebrity Death Pool, but I don't know what they're going to name it. Yeah. And it's basically the story is, in a nutshell, it's, it's some guys that are in a celebrity death pool. One of them decides to make money. They're going to have to kill David Hasselhoff, right? Yeah. It's a funny little film. Yeah. And, and I got pulled up for it. And then they go, and Reese has got the thickest New Zealand accent ever. And I'm like learning my lines like, all right, I've got to do this movie. And then they go, they go, oh, by the way, you're doing an American accent. I'm like, why? <laughs> we just cast Reese Darby and he can't do one. And, you know, we couldn't have an Australian and a New Zealander So you do one. an Engl- American accent? I do an American accent in the whole film. No, I haven't seen it. Fucking kidding? I haven't seen it. I haven't seen it. But uh, they, I, 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 I said, I think I could do this. I shut up on day one and they went, we're bringing in a dialect coach. So there might be some scenes where I'm really bad. But I, the dialect coach, when I had him there, I wasn't too bad at it, I don't think. You did, you did American accent earlier on just talking. You do a pretty good one. Yeah, it's, it's, but I become like a different person when I do it. I sound like a completely different human. My, my agent saw the film and said it was all right. So I've got, I've got a whole heap of stories to go along with this film. I, I don't know. If I, okay, first of all, at the end of the film, I dance. Yeah. Freestyle. Right, over the credits. There's dancing. Yeah. 
I've, I've been having nightmares about this movie coming out because I, there's no way I can look good doing this. <laughs> this, is, this is like with my whole stage persona, I, I, my whole credibility will be I'm dancing like a moron, <laughs> like, like, like pointing my fingers and like, really? yeah, like, and then like there's a row of like girls, like I dance through the middle of them. <laughs> Right, and like I never, I'm a, like I'm the guy who reads a script and just reads my dialogue. Like obviously, yeah, obviously I didn't read the bit, and then they all dance. <laughs> right, oh. right. So I, I have woken up with you know you wake up like when an exams you got an exam coming near when you're in school and you yeah. wake up like oh oh god I got that exam I still have panics about university like I've forgotten oh, oh not, I have those dreams oh, all the time I'm not in school anymore yeah I've got a new one. Oh, I'm dancing in a movie. Oh, people are going to see me dance. So, so I'll tell you, I'll tell you my best story of this thing, right? So, fucking um, Michael Yo does stand up. He's the guy. Yeah, off, I know Michael Yo. Yeah, yeah, he does uh, entertainment, podcast, yeah. entertainment, yeah. whatever, right? So he comes down to the show, and so I he came down and, and reported on legit and everything. He's a real cool guy, He's but most guy. people know him as an entertainment sort of. You know, to yeah. whatever the show is, Access TV or whatever the one he is on, right? Yeah. Anyway, so they come down to interview everybody. So David Hasselhoff's there. I'm hanging out with the Hoff, right? Did you drink with him? No, he's sober. I've got, I've got so many Hoff stories out yeah. the wazoo. I'll tell you all my Hoff stories. He doesn't like me anyway. You'll find out at the end of this story. He doesn't like me. So it's not like we're going to ruin any relationship here. <laughs> I don't mind him. I've got a bit of a man crush on the Hoff because he's like, tastes like a 22-year-old hot chick and he fucking works out and he still looks better than me. He's 60. <laughs> he's, he's like, he's the future of me if I put some effort in. Right? Yeah. Anyway, so um, fucking uh, we're on... Okay, there was a scene in the movie because David Hasselhoff's in the film quite a bit. Yeah. There's a scene in the movie where Justin Bieber's in the film. Okay. And he does a little cameo. And we did it down at Venice Beach. And when we did the scene, I, well, I wasn't actually in the scene, but when, when they did the scene, um, drones over the top, Venice Beach, the place, like just queues of people just showing up, just walking down to look at him. Yeah. And he's like skateboarding in between takes and stuff. You really? know what I mean? Like, yeah. Like he's funny how he lives his life. Like he's just like, fuck, I'm going to live my life. I don't care all these people are staring. I'm going to do what I want to do. I kind of admire. Yeah. Right? And... uh and and so so we're getting interviewed by Michael Yo, and so they interview Ken, and they go Ken, they go uh, they go. So we uh, we see that uh, uh, Justin Bieber was in the film. Can you tell us what he was doing in the film, right? And this was on TV, right? They yeah. did the making, right? And Ken goes, I think you're going to have to watch the movie to find that out. Then they cut to David Hasselhoff, and they go, David, David, what was Ken? Do- um, what was Justin Bieber doing in the film? Oh, 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 I can't give away industry secrets. Oh, no problem there. You have to watch the movie. And then, like, they edited it together really badly. They cut to me, and I go, he's the voice of the Knight Rider car. <laughs> <laughs> I, I gave it up like that. He's the voice. You don't even... You don't even tease it. You know? <laughs> He's just staring at the camera. He's the voice of the Night Rider car. <laughs> right? We're not supposed to tell him? Yeah. Oh, never mind. No, but I go I go on with my life. No one no one was watching me being interviewed, so yeah. I go on with my life. Fucking <laughs> two days later this airs on TV. We're still making the movie. They did yeah. a behind the scenes thing. It was online and they edited it together like this. this I don't know because I come out of the trailer and fucking Hasselhoff is steaming. 
<laughs> and, he, and he's like, oh, okay, here he is, everyone. Oh, well done. Well done. Ruin the movie. And I'm like, what the fuck are you talking about? And he goes, you told everyone. I go, oh, listen, David, I didn't know it was a big fucking secret. No one came up to me and went, oh, okay, it's a big secret. Don't yeah. do- if you told me it was a secret, I would have known it was a fucking secret. Why would I think that was so? Do you think that? Do you think this is the bit that people? Oh, I'm not going to see the film now. I already know that fucking Justin Bieber is the fucking voice of the Night Rider car. Well, here he is. <laughs> here he is, guy. He goes, oh, uh, uh, uh. He goes, and this is how old he is. He goes, if you want information to come out, uh, telephone, telegram, or telegym, I guess. <laughs> You know, now it's the internet, mate. Yeah. yeah you're still fucking getting information out by telegram. <laughs> oh, but, uh, <laughs> oh, that's great. He's the voice of the car. <laughs> what? <laughs> Why is that, what's, what's the look on everyone's faces? Was that not supposed to <laughs> You ask me a question, I'll give you an honest answer. Whoa, Unless you tell me. You right. got to tune in to find out. <laughs> you got to tune in to find out. And he he dies at the end. Is that, is that bad? Oh, yeah, I haven't told everyone. I've just leaked that we're all dancing. <laughs> yeah. So at least you know my character doesn't die, I guess. I'm dancing at the end. <laughs> oh, that's so fucking great. Oh, <laughs> this, is a, this is a difference between a comedian and fucking an actor. A season actor. Yeah, yeah season actor. Yeah. Oh, no, no, he's the voice of the Night Rider. Okay. <laughs> and the thing is, if you watch the footage, I look so blankly down lens afterwards. Oh. <laughs> Oh. Like, I, like I look like I know everything. Yeah. Oh my god. And the thing is, because my, Michael, I, 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 uh, I was telling this story to someone. Ooh. I got back to Michael, and Michael wrote to me like, I, I didn't mean to stitch you up or anything like that. And I said, yeah. No, it's a good story. I'm happy. Oh. Yeah, that's all I give a fuck about is the. It's like, not. It's not a stand-up worthy story. But yeah. I think this is the first thing I've told it on. I think. But I've told it to a lot of friends that story. It's a, it's a great story. I, yeah. I, I think everything's stand-up worthy these days. I think stand-up has changed. The dialogue changed between audiences and. When I met David Hasselhoff, he was standing next to uh, Kit, right? The car, yeah. Yeah, the car, and it was going... Like, the the light was going back and forth. He was standing next to Kit, right, in a karate outfit, doing fucking punches. Like that, right? fucking serious? Yeah, yeah, and I've just walked on set. They've already filmed, like, three days, and my character hasn't come in yet. And I walk on set, and he's like, oh, oh, I know who this is. Oh, hey. Hey, 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 there's Jim Jeffries. All right, all right, I love Jim Jeffries. He goes, he goes, you're from, you're an Aussie, right? I love Aussies. I go down there, they still buy my records. I'm going, Aussie, Australia. Because you like Perth, you're from Perth. I said, I went to university, but you go to Bali? Bali's like the Mexico of, in Indonesia, Bali's like going to Cancun for Australians. Very cheap, beers are a dollar. Bali? Bali, yeah. It's a holiday resort destination oh, really? that's, if you're in Perth, it's faster to fly there than to fly to Sydney. And you're in Asia, all of a sudden, like you're in Florida, and there's food's great, It's just, but it's just a lot of pissed up Australians. Yeah. And they always say there was the Bali bombing, which was a nightclub exploded. I remember hearing about that. Which was basically the, the, the terrorist attack on Australia, because and- it was all filled with Australians, all, all, the, all the nightclub was for Australians, yeah. right? So anyway, he goes, he goes, I still haven't spoken. He goes, hey, uh, you got a barley? And I'm like, I, I, and he goes, well, uh, he goes, I'm buying a resort up there. <laughs> he goes, the moment they're selling it a square meter for like $50, it's going to go fourfold. You want to invest? 
<laughs> David Hasselhoff tried to do a property deal with me in a karate outfit next to karate outfit next to kid, <laughs> and I'd known him for thirty seconds. Yeah. You, should, you haven't even spoken, really. I haven't even spoken. And I'm like, there's a bit of me that's like, I would like, to, if I had my time over, I would have dropped 50 grand on the deal with the hope of losing it. Yeah. Because just so I had a David Hasselhoff fuck me over 50 grand story. Yeah. That was so much better story. Yeah. I should have gone, yeah, get my checkbook. Done. This, Here, hold my watch. I'll be back. <laughs> this is the best story ever. I'm, I'm going to make so much money off this story. <laughs> Yeah, but uh, I should have invested. I'm sure it's not too late. I'm, I'm sure God I can still. It. Just the idea that you'd meet David Hasselhoff in a karate outfit next to a kit. He's just like, <laughs> shut the fuck up. Oh, yeah, yeah. See, the thing I, I love... I, Hulk Hogan was in the movie. Really? Yeah, yeah. I, like, I, I'm, probably, I'm probably giving away all these secrets. That, uh, but in my opinion, me saying all this stuff... It's just going to get people to watch it. Now, yeah. now you're already, you're slightly like, I have to see this film. Yeah. This like oh, a- I'm dying to see this film. I fucking, because <laughs> already I'm like, I, I respect anyone who puts in Ken, you, and Reese, Reese in a movie. Yeah. Like, that, that, those are, those are, Ken, I've known Ken for probably 15 years. Yeah, yeah. He's, he was the great stand-up. He, he's, he's, he's very, like, he can't do a scene with Reese Darby without laughing. Yeah. We probably probably could have finished the film a week early, but he finds Reese Darby. He just cracks up every time he's in a room with him. He wouldn't be like okay. So undateable. The Crystal Lee. Are you friends with Chris? Yeah, yeah. He's I, like, I, coming on the podcast this week. Yeah, I'm mates with Chris. Right. Yeah. I've I just read. I know because they just did a live one, and this might be the future of terrestrial TV. This might be the future of it because they're losing out to Netflix and all that type of stuff. Yeah. I hear the whole next season's going to be live. Really? They just sign on. It's going to be the first show that every week you tune in, it's going to be a live sitcom. Really? So I think that's a smart way, getting it's people really to tune in. Way. Yeah. Because people are still TiVo and stuff, but people want to watch things live. That's why people watch sports live. Sport can. We always have to have terrestrial television for sport. Yeah. Or something live for sport. Yeah. The rest of it, you can just do the Netflix model. And I feel like all the channels will die down, but I feel like the sports channels will always be there. Because people like to switch on. I know you can get apps. Yeah. You get MLB app and you can watch anything. But they're still not quite as good as quality as watching it on the TV when you swatch it, switch it over. I yeah. find anyway. I don't have the best internet in my fucking house. Live, a live sitcom would be fucking amazing. I think I, think I read it somewhere. They're going to do the whole thing live. And what I'm saying is if Ken was in a sitcom with Reese, that... that they couldn't do that sitcom. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> He's very easy to crack up, Ken. Oh, I couldn't do a live sitcom. I'd be... Because I, I laugh too much. Also, I'm no good at remembering that amount of lines. Yeah. This is the secret. Because people always go when, when you... Like, when you... When, let's, say, let's say when we were doing Legit. People always go, how do you remember your lines? You don't have to... You, people, I, I think there's this image... And some actors do do this. They sit up at night and go, all right, this is today, tomorrow's dialogue, right? Yeah. I just remember... The first thing I have to do in the morning. Because the first thing I have to do in the morning, let's say I've got six. You never need to learn like more than, say, 20 lines at a time. But most of the time, you have to do like four or five if you're in a scene where there are people. Yeah. And then they, they start in a wide shot. And the wide shot, it doesn't matter if you fuck up because it's a wide shot. They're yeah. just going to use that for passing scenes. And then they, and your close ups are at the end. So by the time you get to your close-ups, if you've done two takes on everything else, wide shot, this angle, this angle, two shot, two shot, two shot, you're already up to like doing it 10 times. So by the time it gets to you, you know it. So then you're on to the next scene. They're setting up all the cameras and everything, and you've got 20 minutes to go with the other actors, okay? And then you vaguely know it. Then you do what? By the time it gets to you, you know it. Yeah. 
right? See, it's not hard to remember lines in a movie or a TV show. Theater must be a fucking nightmare, but a live sitcom where you're doing it like a play each week? Yeah. Holy shit. I'd love to do... I'd love to do... I've, I've been in development for the past couple of years. I'd love to do a four-camera sitcom. I just don't... I feel like unless it's live, no one's... I feel like the the medium is dead. I feel like it's got to be single, single camera these days. Yeah, I feel like that... I feel like laugh tracks are... Me personally, but they, they, they're they easy to... It's undateable. It's undateable. It's a four-camera, yeah. Really? For some reason, those shows syndicate better. Yeah, they sell around the world better. They're cheaper to make. That's why whenever you're in a deal that, like, whenever you're at the studios, they're always like, "Have you thought about four camera?" Yeah, they're always like pushing it on you. And you, I like, always tell them, I always tell them, I'm four camera shooting over at, uh, over at, uh, I want to say Rally. It's not Rally Studios. Uh, CBS Radford. Yeah, that's where I want. I want, and every, and I've, two years in a row, I was in a deal where we were at CBS Radford, and I was trying to do four camera, but. It just uh, it just rings like 1980s. Yeah, yeah. It doesn't have a doesn't have anything new or fresh, and in a weird way, it's well. The the good thing about the single cam is this: is you can take so many options. You know, yeah. I'm not anti. I actually there's sometimes I would have liked to have done scenes in legit in front of an audience just to know they worked. You yeah. Know? And also because you get off like the whole thing is cameramen can't laugh at you, no one can laugh at you. You do something really funny to silence every time in a single to, to dead silence. The other actors have to stay in character. Very occasionally you'll finish the set and then everyone will crack up after yeah. the scene. But most of the time it's to dead silence and you're like, I hope that was funny. Yeah. And then you watch it afterwards and you, you know, like there's, there's a moment in legit. I don't know if you saw season two where there was a we had a intervention in the in the yard and a coke party in the bedroom. It was a classic sitcom. I would have liked to have done that for camera. Yeah, I think you're right. I think the interaction with the audience, I'd probably draw more energy from and probably my performance would read better off Well, of. well for me, the funniest thing in that whole scene is Brad Williams is in that episode and then there's, uh, there's a scene where he goes, who wants to do coke off my back? And I pick him up and throw him onto the bed. Yeah. But to silence, right? Yeah. When I did it, I felt like, oh my God. God, I've just thrown a dwarf. And I remember like having nightmares, like I've just thrown a dwarf on a bed. No one laughed at it. Now when I watch it, it's one of the funniest things in the whole episode. Yeah. <laughs> but when I did it, I thought, if I had an audience for that, of course they would have laughed. But it oh, just fuck. it just looked abusive. Did you did you write the majority of legit? Yeah. I wrote yeah. all I wrote pretty much out of the twenty six episodes, I wrote probably twenty two storylines. Yeah. And then I wrote about nine full episodes but also i had a hand in every single episode yeah and you, like, you had a writing team we had three of us three of who are the three well there's another guy called peter o'fallon another guy called chris case who okay. were both tv guys but god damn man but i i write i i was sort of i fell out with peter o'fallon because he believed he wrote everything but he really if you watch the first season it's all my stand-up yeah you know, so I was there, you know, but he did more of the typing. I didn't know that to get a writer's credit on some things, you had to actually be the one physically typing. Because I was just there reading dialogue as I want this line, this line, this line, like the first yeah. season. And then and then he's like, I wrote that one. And I'm like, you didn't do shit. You didn't come up with anything. But it's, you know, I had the, a, the second I had... one, I learned how to actually type it out myself. And I'm glad I had that education of doing it that way as well because it it's... Uh, you know, I was lucky enough to have my own TV show for two seasons and to have people um, sort of leave me be. You know, if, if I think now I could write movies or anything. I'm not scared of it anymore. But I used to think I was a moron who could never do any of these things, yeah? 
Yeah. It's it's a it's it's a great uh gift is to learn how to work on someone else's dime. Hmm. To learn how to create. Yeah, yeah. Like you could do a sitcom you could write your own sitcom tomorrow. Yeah. And go, I want to do another one. This is what it's gonna look like, this is what it's gonna be, and I've got the well, experience. I've, and- I've sold I've sold one since and it hasn't gone ahead. I had enough see I have all these ideas that, that I like that no one else likes. Yeah. <laughs> I had this one idea that I I, I really wanted to sell. Which and I, I couldn't sell it to a network, and I had this great pilot all written out, and I can see it in my head, and it wasn't goofy, and it was basically, it was Joey Fatone the sitcom. It was basically my character was in the biggest boy band in the world, yeah, like twenty years ago, yeah, and and now he's I'm like ten years ago, like they broke up when he was like twenty eight. Now he's like fat and balding, and <laughs> another another one of the band members has gone on to be Justin Timberlake. Yeah. And the other people have all moved on. One's in property. They've all moved on with their lives. And this guy's trying to get them all back together yeah. for a comeback special or something like that. <laughs> and it was just a sad... And it sounds... And then, like, executives were like, yeah, but boy bands aren't really... And I'm like, it's not about boy bands. I yeah. But I don't want to make it about a rock band. I want it to be like this guy's still ashamed of his past as well as... Yeah. You know, what he did... How he is famous wasn't cool in the first place. It was the whole... And I couldn't, I couldn't get anyone to fucking bite on that one. I've had uh, I've had I've had ideas that I that to this day I still go god damn it like I I had an idea that I pitched Comedy Central probably like eight years ago hmm. and I had a meeting over Comedy Central the other day and uh, I was with Gary Mann and I t- and I brought it up again and he was like yeah that was a great fucking idea I don't know why we didn't do something with it and I was like I was like then do it, let's do it now but then but it's you know I had an idea about two DJs like Opie and Anthony hmm. getting kicked off getting kicked off by the FCC so they moved just outside. Um, just outside Texas to Juarez, Mexico, right. where they had to, uh, where they did a radio show on Mexican radio, but it, the airwaves carried over to Texas, right. so they were still big and it was all on the internet. But they they were it was lawlessness. So it was about a morning radio show in Texas where you could fucking literally, you know, someone could fuck a goat, and uh, and, and and people couldn't see it. And it's were, weird when you can see it in your head. Yeah, you've got it like all. Oh, I saw another script recently to fx that they turned down which is kind of cool because you know they canceled my show and then at least they bought another script off me i guess but this script was like i feel like people because legit was so based on my own life yeah and people sort of like i feel and i had i had several offers on this next script which was just okay a guy's a sitcom actor right and he gets a a a woman on set pregnant that he hardly knows which is just my life (laughs) (laughs) right What are we going to call the guy? How about Jim? (laughs) (laughs) And everyone's like, we love that. That's a great idea. And I'm trying to sell these more abstracty ideas. Yeah. I got one that I'm writing at the moment, which I won't tell you about because I haven't really flushed it out, but it's, it's pretty fucking out there. And I I think this will be like, I'll tell you when we're off the air, but it's going to be the hardest sell of my life. If I get it through Uh, the script. I, I mean, I know my, I know my next TV show, my next scripted TV show. We've talked about it. Like, I mean, it's been, sold twice right and it, and the exact same idea has been sold twice and was sold a third time when we just backed out because we were like we weren't ready to we weren't ready to do it and i was i was too busy and my book was coming out and i was like you know what let's back off but it's it's me it's me the best sitcom you're going to get is just me a guy who does fucking hardcore adventures and thrills for yeah. a living who's got anxiety attacks who's got a drinking problem who's fucking got a f- wife with two so kids you still do that music. stuff that that yeah. adrenaline thing still do it i do i'm leaving in a 
I go to Maui on uh, in a couple weeks, and then I'm gonna be in Maui in July. Yeah, I'm, in, I'm there in June, and then and then I go, and then I go. I'm on, I'm in production doing the fucking lunatic, uh, the a, f- a bunch of different do greasy pole in Gloucester, Massachusetts. And I just I just did my first parachute jump. It was very exciting. So there's a surreal moment. I always talk about it. Did you feel it? Are you are do you are you worried about death? Uh, I'm very, I, yeah, I, I never used to be until I had my son. Yeah. And now I am because I feel like, uh, don't want to leave him. And I, well, not that I don't want to leave him. I don't, I don't want him to resent me dying young from stupid things I did. Yeah. You know, uh, dying of cancer from smoke or alcohol, liver damage or something stupid or yeah. some fucking just taking drugs one night and overdose. I don't want to die like that where he go, where he feels unloved or something that I could have put more effort in, you know? Yeah, I know what you're saying. <laughs> I feel like that. I feel like I that. still die that way. I just feel real bad about it. <laughs> I'm cool with the death that way. It's going to stink. <laughs> I, uh, I fell off a waterfall recently yeah. and uh, doing the show. And it was there was a real surreal moment where I was down there and I thought I had ruptured my uh, kidneys right. and, I, and I thought I'd also broken my back right. and I was I had to crawl out on my hands and knees out of this like two hundred ten foot ravine yeah. by myself and it was there was just some moments where I was like uh, where I thought I was dying and I was like you know and you just like fuck man this is how it ends like this my daughters will just go dad was why was dad repelling and and and, and but there's a moment in skydiving where. Uh, where I was, it's it's just surreal because the dice have been rolled. As you're free falling, you're like, I, I'm either gonna die or I'm gonna live, and I can't change that right now yeah, yeah, yeah. at all. Like this, there is a real decision that's about to be made of my life, and I I can either white knuckle this or I can enjoy the fuck out of this moment of mm. literally helplessness. Yeah, I also well, I I you know did it strapped to another guy. Tandem, tandem, yeah. That's what's the in point. a prison rape harness. Yeah, well, the thing is, I, I'm I'm two sixteen, two fifteen, somewhere around there. You got to be two ten, yeah, to do it, and that's really bad for your ego when you're too fat to skydive. <laughs> you know, you're strapped. I've up. been too fat to do a lot of things at times. I know, and you you get on there, and the guy's like, yeah, and then but it's Australia, so they're a bit like, ah, don't worry about it, mate. Yeah. Fucking. No, we'll just just ride him down as two hundred. It'll be good. Yeah. So now I'm like, oh, what are those extra sixteen pounds going to do? <laughs> or two extra, you know. So it, it's um, it's it is weird because also people go, well, how did you jump? You don't jump tandem. No. You dangle off the edge. Yeah. And then he jumps. Now, luckily, I did it with a a fucking a Swedish guy who's done eight thousand jumps. Now that's who you want to do it with. You want to do it with a Scandinavian person because they're humorless. Oh really? Yeah. Yeah. They they, they're not one for jokes. I don't want to be strapped to an Australian bloke that's going. Jeez, I'm. Do we fix this harness yet? I don't want any of that bullshit. That is fucking Kiwis and Australians are constantly like, what's this dangling over there? (laughs) And you're like, no, fucking don't do that. I don't like. We did a. We did a. um, Yeah, I had a guy who was like, this is safe. Look, if this parachute doesn't come out, then this one will come out, and then that one will come out. And I'm like, all right. I had a German. Well, I, I look. I'm, as, I'm I as guilty. I, I got like my eight year old niece. I convinced her to go on her first roller coaster. It was a big one with loops and everything like yeah. that. And and she, all day she was psyching up to it. We went in the line three times, and she chickened out right at the front. It wasn't big lines. This little fun park in Western Australia, right? And then in the end, I, I got her like, okay, we're going to do it. And then she click, 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 click. She buckled in, and then we're going up. And as we're going up the click, 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 click hill, and she goes, everything's going to be all right. And just before we go over the edge. To the eight-year-old, I do the whole, look, 
is going to be more than a right. This, this thing is safer than ever after that little guy, girl died last week. They've checked it. <laughs> And they've checked it again. You know, you do that you're like, why am I being such a bastard? It took her all day to do this. And now I'm just, she's convinced she's going to die. Yeah. I used to open rides. I'm, I'll be back to, to opening rides again. I have a show, Birth Conqueror, that was on Travel Channel for a while. Hmm. That got canceled and then just got brought back. I, they won't, don't want me to say they got canceled. When but you say I, opening I rides, like they put the crash test dummies through and you're the first person. Yep. I've done that on number one. I did that on the. I did that on a ride that had killed uh, a number of people in New Jersey, and then and then they made the ride again, that had been shut down. It killed a bunch of kids. So they shut it down. How did it they, kill the kids? It was. Uh, uh, it was the loop first looping water slide where you went. Oh, crikey! And and uh, it, I forget what the. I wish I remembered everything about it, but I remember everyone saying they had. The first one ever was in New Jersey, and a couple kids had died. Like, a couple kids had died. Yeah, but thousands had gone down. And so, yeah, no, not really. Mm. They, a couple, like, so then they were like, closed it down. And then they opened the next one. And they did it. And How do you and, get to two dead kids before you shut it I down? Know, I wish I could fucking find more stats on that. But, like, and so then they had, they opened one in, in Wisconsin Dells and called Scorpion's Tail. And they're like, you're going to be the first person to ride it. And I was like, motherfucker. And I, was, and I met the guy who designed it, and he's like, don't worry, it's safe. And I, I was the first person to do it. And it is, by the way, it's my favorite fucking ride ever. I've done it a million times. Hmm. It's so much fucking fun. You don't remember any of it, and it's all free fall. It's fucking bananas. Yeah, I, I like water slides more than roller coasters, always. I do, too. I like water slides much more than roller coasters. <laughs> because uh, I like them both equally. I like water slides because I like, I like the fact that you're holding on to yourself. Yeah, you're holding on to yourself, and there's also, it's... It's anything could happen. You could bump around. If you put your arms out stupidly, you can get hurt. Yeah. Yeah. You know, if you act like an idiot here. Well, if you want to go to any water slides, I'm starting production. You're more than welcome to be on my show. I'll, yeah, take you, man. I'll fly out to put you on a water slide. Yeah. Some fucking next level water slides. Yeah, I'll be in. Okay, fucking done. I will have my people reach out to you. I fucking, I'll, I'll, I'll do that. Definitely. Fuck, I like yeah. those ones now where you're in the tube and they just pull the floor away from you. I've got a number of those. And you, <laughs> like that, they're fucking unbelievable. Last time I went on water slides... Um, uh, I was I had a, I had an Australian friend out here, and he didn't like roller coasters. So I said, "We'll go to the water park." And we went to the water park, which actually we wrote an episode legit about going to the water park. But um, with oh, I'll tell you some Lazenby stories after this. So <laughs> so we uh, so we went out to the water park, and fucking Britney Spears was there. Really? Yeah, and she was there with the two little kids, and it yeah. was like a, whatever the one at Six Flags is called, right? Yeah, and Grand Rapids or whatever it is. And so they have that big wave pool. There's just like four of the biggest black guys you've ever seen, like big, massive, huge, like seven-foot-tall, really wide-looking yeah. guys who were in the pool just surrounding her at about 10 metres away so her kids could feel like they were at a theme park with everybody else. Yeah. And it was just weird because you could see these black guys really didn't want to be in the water. <laughs> they didn't want to be in shorts or anything. They're just floating around going, ah, fuck. <laughs> It's the worst day of them all. Does, how does Britney Spears still have money? Like, oh, she doing this residency in Vegas or oh, really? still? Yeah, she she's got plenty of money. I, mean, I can't imagine having a bodyguard. You got to have fucking real money to have a bodyguard. She has real money. Yeah, and she also she did things like a judge on X Factor. They're, they're like twenty million dollar deals being a judge on one of those shows. Really? And stuff like that. Yeah, she. So so we did this episode of Legit. If you watched it, if you've seen the one where my parents came over, I think okay, so. so we got to play my mother. We got who I consider to be one of the funniest humans on earth, 
a woman called Magnus Sabansky. I think I did see this because I think I Googled her afterwards. Yeah, she she was also like the she was like the the farmer's wife in Babe. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and she's been in a few Australian films, but she's a sketch comedy person in Australia. One of the funniest things, super funny. And then to play my dad, we had James Bond, George Lazenby. Yep, yep. I did see this episode because he was the only Australian James Bond, right? Yeah. Yep. I didn't, and I, he, he did one movie. Yeah. Right. And then he, he he was the best looking number one male model in the world in 1969. Yeah. Right. And he he's just uh, he's just a pussy hound, right? <laughs> and he's like 80, and he just all pussy, 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 pussy all day. Yeah. That's all he talks about. And there's like and there's like young. It's just the power of James Bond. So. So we had like extras and we had these Asian girls who were on the show that were playing masseuses, right? And they were all sort of young 20-year-old girls, very good-looking girls, right? Yeah. And he was just leering at them like the whole time and then being a bit grabby with them. Yeah. And they were like, can you get this old bloke off me? And then someone tells one of them, you know that's James Bond? And she still went, ooh. <laughs> Even at that age, it's like, yeah. ooh, I'm being hit on by James Bond. <laughs> so anyway, so I'm sitting in the makeup chair. On one side of me, I've got John Ratzenberg, Cliff Clavin from Cheers. Yeah. And on one side of me, I've got James Bond, George Lazenby. And we're sitting there, and I have a, I have a real fondness for both of them, actually. But I, I, I'm very fond of... The, the reason why John Ratzenberg was in legit, and he did it for just basic wage, like he didn't ask for extra money like, or any, anything else. The reason he was in that show is because... When I wrote that character, every time we were in the room and we'd do like a little script read before we had... Like every every day I'd like to try to read a script again. And then all the writers would play different parts and maybe a writer's assistant or someone else's assistant would play another part. And I'd always play the Billy and Steve's dad. Yeah. And whenever I played Billy and Steve's dad, I just did a Cliff Clavin impersonation for that character. Yeah. Hey, dear Billy. Oh, your mother's done a real good job with you there, boy. Right? <laughs> yeah. So I'd be doing that. And then in the end, I was like, why don't we just get him? Yeah. (laughs) You You can get him. You can totally get him. (laughs) That's why. And I remember like FX were like, I don't know. He's sort of more iconic of Cheers. I'm like, yeah, I really hurt Woody Harrelson. And, you know, like, yeah. Like, like, so in the end, we we got him. So I'm sitting there. And John, I don't think John will be upset with me saying this. John's, me and John politically aren't on the same playing field. He's a gun-toting, super Republican sort of guy. Yeah. And, uh, but I, I have a lot of love for that bloke. And so me and John are sitting there on one side, John, one side, James Bond, and they're trying to get along. And George is just looking at himself in the mirror. Like, you don't know what it was like to be the best looking man on earth in 1969, right? Yeah. Living in London, having an Australian accent in London when no one traveled. It's not that exciting to have an accent now. When no one traveled, you yeah. can only get there by boat, right? <laughs> yeah. Right, yeah. You're, he was fucking everything, and he still sees himself that way in the mirror. So he's still like uh, wrinkling his forehead, looking yeah. all right. We're in makeup at six in the morning, and uh, and and George, John goes, "Hey, hey, George, where they uh, where they film that uh, Majesty's Secret Service movie, the James Bond film?" And he goes, "Oh, all over Europe. We filmed it all over Europe." <laughs> and he goes, "Oh, yeah, 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 I, uh, I love Europe." Uh, my favorite place in Europe is probably France. Do you like France there, George? <laughs> and he goes, oh, yeah, I love France. Oh, what's your favorite part of France? And George goes, well, there's a place in Italy where you can fuck the prostitutes by the side of the road. 
Doesn't say it as a joke. Yeah. That's his favourite bit of France. Place <laughs> <laughs> in Italy where you can fuck the prostitutes by the side of the way. The three people doing our hair and our makeup just stopped. And I'm sitting in the mirror just looking in the mirror like, someone say something quickly. Like this. And George, George didn't even think he said a joke. And I go, all right, everyone just stop. Is it on the asphalt? Is it in a field? Yeah. Are there sheds? Because if there's sheds, everyone's fucking on the side of the road. Everything's on the side of the road. Houses are on the side of roads. Yeah. <laughs> no, it's in the open. All right, I don't even know what that means, George. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Yeah, oh, he's funny, old George. God damn. I said to him when the first time I met him, I said, I told this story on Conan, actually, and I thought if I might get back to him or something. I said to, I said to him, the first time I met him, we're laying at the water park next to each other. And I'm like, hesitant, he's an old man. He seems very distinguished. I haven't chatted to him at all. I maybe said like four words. I'd done a scene with him already. Yeah. And uh, and then I'm laying with him on this beach tower waiting down the next scene. I said, hey, George, I don't want to be rude. But uh, do you ever, you ever fuck a Bond girl? <laughs> right? Yeah. You gotta ask, right? And he goes, ah, be easier to tell you which ones I haven't fucked. <laughs> and he goes, he goes, they all come to the conventions. <laughs> he hasn't, he hasn't fucked these women in their prime. <laughs> He's the, he's, oh. the, he's the only James Bond who shows up at the conventions. It's him and like an 83-year-old Ursula Andrews. They're oh. in a Motel 6 with headshots all over the room. Oh, he's picking up the fruit that fell off the tree. Yeah. <laughs> he's, him, like, he's old as well, so you yeah. know what I mean? But I just picture like, like, like him just in his tux after doing one of those shows. He's back at a Motel 6. All right, money, Penny. <laughs> Come out. Dun, 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 dun. Oh. Like, and the way he talked about it, we were, me and Dan Bacadol, who played Steve, who also, if you don't know, if you haven't seen the show, Dan Bacadol is the congressman, the bald congressman with sort of the light brown hair in Veep, that uh, is sort of the nemesis to Julia Lewis yeah, Dreyfus' yeah, character. Right. And he's also he's he's in uh, the Heat as the albino cop who gets shot in the Heat. Okay, um, trying to think. There's an oh, al- in the Heat in the Heat in okay. the albino yep, I know cop. You're about, yeah. I know you're talking about. So anyway, so. So me and Bacchino used to play a game on set called James Bond Movies as named by George Lazenby. (laughs) So, Doctor No, but she means yes. (laughs) (laughs) Octopussy, nailed it. Yeah, that's the the one we used to do. We used to go, Octopussy, I didn't change that one, it's already good. (laughs) (laughs) On Her Majesty's tits. (laughs) <laughs> oh yeah and then they're not all about sex some of them are political like die another gay <laughs> some political oh did you tour much when you were doing when you're doing legit uh well not in the three months we were filming yeah and when we were riding i would tour a bit more i would i would do like every second weekend i would yeah. go out but it, you know this is the thing about people for years, I thought I had insomnia. I was an insomniac because I couldn't sleep. Just couldn't sleep every night. And then when I was writing a show, doing gigs in the weekend, and then we were filming for 12 to 16 hours on certain days. Mm-hmm. 
It, it turns out I'm not an insomniac. I just don't do anything. I'm just lazy. Yeah. Right? If you lay on the couch all day and at the end of the night, you're like, I can't sleep. If you go work a 12-hour day, you'll go to sleep. Yeah. There was no cavemen after chasing a saber-toothed tiger, got back to their cave and went, I just can't sleep, Org. And then their wife was like, sleep. Like, I can't. Yeah. I'm wired. I get. I sleep really good when I'm shooting for Travel Channel. Yeah. Because I'm fucking up at six. I'm working all day. Big dinner. And then like a couple beers. Not a couple. Like probably like four beers. Mm. And I'm fucking out. Yeah. And then fucking all over again. And then when I come back here, like I've been insomniac lately. Like just staying up. I'll get out in the mail. I was sober for like the first. I drank the last couple of days. But like not drinking just mm. to get healthy. Try to lose some weight. Mm. And I, I was just not doing anything. Doing podcasts in the day. And I was like fucking wired out in the man cave. I was like. God damn it, man. How do I turn this off? Yeah, it's exercise, man. Yeah, I've been exercising. I fucked my neck up yesterday, but exercise like fucking five miles a day. I've been calorie counting on my phone. Oh, with Just Lose It? Yeah. Yeah, I love that. Yeah. It it holds you responsible to snacking. It does. That's That's where you... Like you go, oh, I just can't just swing by the mac and cheese that my wife made for my kids and just take a spoonful. Yeah. Oh, you got to put it in the phone. I need more. I have one mouthful. I need more calories. Yeah. Yeah, it is. It is just like that. I, I, uh, but it's also, it's amazing. Two, I, I'm keeping myself to under 2,100 calories a day. Yeah. And, you know, that's my lose a pound a week amount of calories I'm allowed to do. Right. Yeah. And uh, to stay the same, 2003, to go up in weight, 2005, I, I gain a pound a week, you know. And it, it is actually, it's not, it's quite a lot of food, 2,000 calories. Yeah. It's not like, you know, what I mean? it's like I don't eat, I don't, I've cut fries out of my life for the last four years because it's like, what's the fucking point of them? They're just not a satisfying, I'd rather have two hamburgers. Yeah. Because the fries are as much as a hamburger, you know. But like, I, okay, so the other day I had a hamburger at, Carl's Jr., which is like the worst, like the good. My, you just made my mouth water. Yeah, I love Six Carl's burger. Jr. Yeah. Six dollar burger is my favorite burger on the planet. Eight hundred and ninety bucks. Eight hundred and ninety calories for the six dollar burger. Well, the burger I had. Yeah, right. I had the big Carl's. Oh no, no, I, I no, it was like nine hundred calories. So I can't remember. And nine hundred calories. Yeah, but that still meant I could have two of them a day. But that's all I'm allowed to eat, and I yeah. still lose weight. <laughs> I'll still be way under. I could have two of them and a Coke a day. Yeah. <laughs> And you know what? I think I'd be happier. Yeah. <laughs> I, oh, I, I have a kale salad inside the house ready for lunch because we're going over to uh, our friends are doing a crawfish boil. And so we're going to go have crawfish, which is lean protein. Yeah, yeah. Just the tail. I'm sure it's high as fucking cholesterol. They're oh, yeah, animal. Really? I, prawns are like my favorite food, but I, not in this country. I don't like prawns here, but Australian prawns are like my, my, my thing and just high cholesterol, man. Yeah. My cholesterol is a little high, but I had a physical. Everything else is good. I had a physical. I have a physical once a year. I'm always clean. Uh, my but I went through and I had all the heart work done, like got the CT scan, did the stress test, and I was I was solid. Yeah, my cholesterol was slightly high, uh, but nothing to take medication for or anything like that. But uh, yeah, it's uh, it's a toughie. The old uh, I had I had a large liver many years ago, and I gave up drink. I gave up drinking for. Uh, about a year, and I, 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 the bit I find funny about it is my drink is pretty much well under control now. I, I get wasted like once every two weeks, like wasted. Yeah, and I, I drink about maybe twice a week, 
on top of that, like four or five beers in one night and then wasted one night every two weeks. That's fine. And, and yeah, that's fine, right? Yeah. I used to, when in my 20s, I was wasted five, five nights a week. Yeah. Wasted, right? And I just, it became less cool because I'm such a sloppy drunk that it became... Really? Like, yeah, I'm sloppy. Really? <laughs> yeah, I'm like... And I, I, I've only, like, I recently got sloppy drunk on stage just once. I did an Australian tour and I was doing two shows in front of her. And the thing was, I, I was drunk in the dressing room before the second room, but everyone in the room was super wasted. And so I didn't feel wasted because I was less wasted than the rest of the room. <laughs> and I was making everyone in the room laugh. Two of the guys from In Excess were there. Like, it was shut the fuck up. <laughs> Who? The brothers? Tim Ferris, yeah. Oh, fucking obsessed with In Excess. He lost his finger. Wow. He fucking, he was on a boat. I, this is the thing, right? So I meet him. He comes backstage. He's wearing like a mesh glove. And his fucking finger's not on, right? And, and he was on a boat and the rope went and just pulled his finger off. God damn it. Like pulling up the sail or whatever. Dude, I am obsessed with NXS. Well, so this is the thing. You can lose Michael Hutchins, but the band might be over. He can't play guitar without that finger. That's his chord hand. Oh, yeah. He, if it was his strumming hand, it would be one thing. Motherfucker. Yeah. That's, that's crippling. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's a game changer. It's like Def Leppard. I mean, I guess the guy lost his arm. Yeah, like... I can't get that one. Dun, dun, dun. Dun, 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 dun. <laughs> I fucking love in excess. I went through a few fucking huge in excess phase where I was obsessed with the music. So, so I was wasted with all these people backstage. He wasn't drinking, but it, actually, I talked to him about drinking. He said that he said he, he started not drinking on stage and he goes, it's completely different. Anyway, I, I went on stage and my dad was in the audience and he was plastered. He was fucking wrecked, my dad. Like, yeah. he was at the early show. I went, I'll just stay with it. My dad's George Lazenby. And <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> he goes, I'll just stay for the next show, right? And so my dad's sitting there, and he's fucking... And I just know I was drunk because a lot of people wrote on forums, like, it was really a disgrace. He was just dribbling and just saying rubbish. And I did, like, two hours. I don't know what I... I don't remember. But my dad was like, that was the best one of them all! <laughs> Because he'd seen like three shows that week. I did yeah. seven shows yeah. in Sydney. And so he'd seen three and he was like, that one was a bit different. It yeah. shouldn't have been. It should have been like the other ones it that were good. Like, exactly like the other but, ones. But for my, dad, for my dad, it was more entertaining. <laughs> oh, that was a good one. <laughs> what did your dad do when you were growing up? Carpenter. Oh, yeah? Yeah, he was a carpenter right up until the, Australia had a recession. I'm going to say in the mid-90s. Yeah. Australia had a recession and then he lost he was a cabinet maker so he, he he did things that when recessions or depressions come in no one wants cabinets being made yeah. you know he did fine craftsmanship stuff so sort of from 95 I would say onwards until he retired in probably 2005 he worked as a, um, a maintenance man at a local school we had an all girls school down the road a private school Yeah, and I remember I remember distinctly. Oh, and it might have been a bit about '93 because I was, I was. I just had to pick my nose all of a sudden. Sorry, that was bothering me. Um, I remember it was about '93 because I finished school in '94. And uh, high school or college? High school. Okay. Eighteen in '94. Yeah. Seventeen in '94. '94. I was twenty. Well, I guess that would be the same exact age difference <laughs> that we have today. Yeah, I was twenty-two. I was twenty-one. So I. I I, I was at a, I was at a party with some girls, and one of the girls was from my school, 
and uh, from that from the school my dad worked at, and I, and I was making out with her in the corner of this party. I said, oh, my dad works at your school. Yeah. She goes, oh, which teacher is he? I go, no, he's one of the guys who wears green overalls because they like to wear green overalls. And she walked away. And I remember distinctly having, because I've got a bit of a working class chip on my shoulder. Yeah. I distinctly remember being like, well, fuck you, you fucking cunt. Yeah. I, I still to this day hate rich people. Really? Yeah, I but don't. you rich. Yeah, but I'm, that's why I hate my son. <laughs> But I'm look. I showed up here in a Maserati, not even like the, the sedan. I grew up in the Grand Tourist. I'm I'm new money. If anyone's ever seen it, oh fuck that! I, that <laughs> you pulled up in that car, and I was like, I was sitting out there periscoping, and I'm just kind of bullshitting, talking like about the p- p- podcast I released, and I'm waiting for Jim, and I figured you'd come up, and I as soon as I saw your car, I went fuck yeah. But but it's yeah, but it's not it's not who you were growing up at all. No, that's so interesting. Yeah, no, I, I grew up, I, my mother was a casual school teacher. My father, you know, went bankrupt, you know. Um, and now they're both on the dole. They're both on, uh, not on the dole, on the pension. Um, which in Australia isn't bad. It's like 300 bucks a week for the two of them. They get 600 bucks every two weeks. We, we, but they, they own the house. Yeah. So, yeah. Your mum's still alive? Your mum's still alive, yeah. And they get full health care. Yeah. So you get full health care and six hundred bucks between the two of you every t- so so, so twelve hundred a month, right? Yeah, which isn't loads. But if Do you, you send if- them money, huh? Do you send them money? No, they didn't fucking. They made me pay rent when I was eighteen. <laughs> Fuck them. <laughs> Fuck them. You fuck. I bought my mum a life alert necklace last week. You bought, <laughs> you bought your mum a life alert necklace. Yeah, I fall and I can't get down and up necklace. <laughs> oh, oh, Leanne. I hear something going on in my fucking backyard. I, you hear I, that? I'll tell you, I'll tell you a story. I'm not doing this to... Okay, I, I'm going to... I don't want people to know the full story because I don't want anyone to know who this kid is. But there was a kid who I met who was... Uh, had a severe disease and I met him in the South. And then I saw that this kid had a FundMe account because they were trying to buy him a wheelchair without health cover. And I, these wheelchairs cost like five grand. And so I just bought him the wheelchair. Now, the reason I don't want to publicize it too much is because you start doing that, then people start sending you, my cousin's sick type of yeah. things, right? So anyway, so I bought this, this, this just a kid from the audience of my show. I bought him a wheelchair, five grand, right? Yeah. And fucking, uh, or to do whatever he wanted with the money, but that's what the money was meant to go for, you know? Yeah. Anyway, so I never, my, <laughs> my girlfriend's at the home. I'm out doing a gig. She's at home with my mum. And my mum says, Oh, he's not. Kate says he's not a bad guy. You know, he bought a wheelchair for a stranger like that, right? And then my mother, like about fucking a week later, has an argument with me. I didn't know she did. She goes, "You buy fucking wheelchairs for strangers, and I don't even have a two hundred dollar walker." <laughs> and I'm there going, "You never told me you wanted a fuck. I would have bought you a fucking walker." <laughs> And I go, by the fucking way, you just bought an iPad two months ago. That's like 900 Australian dollars for the top of the line iPad. Yeah. They put a $900 iPad. <laughs> and then she goes, I didn't need a walker. <laughs> She's George Lazenby. I didn't need a, I didn't need a walker two months ago. And I went, <laughs> I visited you last year. You were fucking homebound. You weren't fucking dancing the Charleston when I came in. <laughs> How am I meant to tell when your walker day comes around? Yeah, yeah, I can't just... I live in a different country. Just tell me. <laughs> no, and there's things like... It's going to sound really bad. It's going to sound really evil. The day my mother dies, I'll probably buy my dad a car. 
Why? Because I'd like him to have a Mercedes or something like that. I'd like him to have a, like a nice cool car to go yeah. down to the bowling and pick up women with and all that type of stuff, right? Now, the reason... I know you're looking at me very... But my mother was so mean-spirited with the family car... Yeah. ...that uh, it's fucking payback. <laughs> she was... What do you mean she was so mean-spirited? I've never once driven the family car. I was never once allowed to drive the family car. Really? I wasn't allowed to go... And it's a, it was a fucking shitbox, by the way. <laughs> like, in today's money, it was like a $3,000 car. This yeah. fuck, it, was, it was a Toyota Camry. Yeah. Right? An old one, right? And and, and I, I, it didn't matter if I got good. Smart. I, I'm like I'm like Tom Cruise's character in fucking in Rain Man. Yeah, because the whole he broke up with his father because I deserved the car. I should have. I got good marks in school. He should have let me have it. Yeah. And then he went out for a drive, and then the police called it, and he let him lock up in his thing. And for that moment, him and his dad never talked. And then he inherited the car. Yeah, that's all he got. And he's a retarded brother and the, the, the autistic brother and the thing. <laughs> he gets all the money, right? I'm fucking Charlie Babbitt. Yeah. Right? Yeah. I'm the... Why? 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 And I say, so I get my license. This is the one time I drove the car. Yeah. You're allowed to drive the car around the block, right? With her sitting in it. <laughs> what joy is in this? <laughs> Just her going, slow down on the stop sign. <laughs> right? Yeah. It was like, I didn't even make it all around there on the block. I did a U-turn. Like, oh, fuck this. We're going home. <laughs> right? Yeah. So I have never once driven a car unless a friend has lent me one that I have not paid for. Right? Yeah. Or rented or whatever. Right? And so, so and that was the policy I grew up with. That was the, I'm not responsible enough with cars. Yeah. I'll only smash it. Now, since then, she drove one into the wall of a shopping center. So when they say they need a new car, you're not responsible enough for a car. If you need a car, save up for a car. Right? That's what I was told all the time. Yeah. There's nothing worse than being homebound at 17. And, and I'm sure there's lots of people, you can't, the kids that can't drive their parents' car, right? Yeah. But because of that policy... Yeah, no car. No fucking car. Shut the fuck up. No fucking car. <laughs> you know what I do? I'll drive my Maserati over to your fucking house and then you can't sit in it. <laughs> can't drive it, not allowed. I'd let, I'd, let, I'd let you drive my car tomorrow. You can borrow it tomorrow. I let my friends drive my cars. Yeah. I don't give a fuck. Yeah. Right? No car for you. <laughs> right? My, my mother used to get rent off me, okay, the day I left school. The day school was over. Yeah. Right? There wasn't like a, you've done good, you've graduated from school. I had to pay $80 a week rent at home. $80 a week? $80 a week. In 1994. $80 a week. $80 a week. And she would come in with her nailed up claw, right? Yeah. And put her hand out like, rent. Right? Yeah. Fuck her. <laughs> she not, I didn't even get her the top of the line life alert necklace. No, no, no. And you know what? I've got a brother who's richer than me. <laughs> really? The two of us go over there and eat lobster in front of him. <laughs> What'd your brother do? He's uh, developed shopping centers. Shut up. Yeah, he's like a property developer for shopping centers. He's worth lots more than me. God damn it. It's just self-made man. And yeah. the two of us, he has boats and all sorts of things, right? Yeah. And the two of us just do rich things in front of her. 
Oh, that's fucking hilarious. And my, I have my eldest brother who's a cop who they put all their money on. He was Me and my other brother were the knuckleheads. Yeah. Never going to amount to anything. We're told it all the time. You two will never amount to anything. <laughs> and maybe we both fell ass backwards into our careers. Maybe. Right? Yeah. <laughs> there is an argument. We're very lucky guys, right? Yeah. But my other brother, is, he's a working guy. I have nothing against him. He's a working no. guy. He works as a cop. Yeah. He doesn't have money to give him. He has enough money to take care of his two kids and his wife. And he's a hardworking guy. Yeah. Right? But uh, and I'd give him anything. Yeah, right. But he's your oldest. He's my oldest, right? Your middle. But, but I'm the youngest. But me and the middle one, we will just throw money away <laughs> in front of her. Yeah. Just if I can waste money, fritter it away in front of that woman. That's one of my little joys in life. <laughs> oh, <laughs> it's really sadistic. God, right? that's fucking hilarious. It's really. Sad. I didn't even get to the top of the line. Life alert. <laughs> <laughs> like I'll get her things that keep her alive. Yeah. Well, and my dad, I, I feel bad for her because she did all the discipline without my dad. My father did anything, but I will probably get my dad a car when my mum's dead. Yeah. I'll, 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 at the funeral, there'll probably be a a big Mercedes with a bow around it. <laughs> <laughs> With oh. written newly single on the window. <laughs> with with the cans and the shoes. Just like he's like it's, like it's leaving a wedding. Like he's leaving a wedding. <laughs> oh. Yeah, it's uh I'll tell you a classic story. I said to my dad, I said, this is my mum all over. I said to my dad, I said, uh I said, if legit gets to season four Right, because that's when you start making the real money. Because yeah. season three is just the first two, and then season three is like the oh, I'm still here. If you get to season four, you're a success, and you can renegotiate for loads, right? Yeah. But I wasn't. I was getting not a lot of money for legit. Thinking I produced it, wrote it, whatever. I'm not. I haven't made most of my money off legit. I made it off stand up, right? You know, yeah. and I'm not even that rich. We're, we're acting like I'm a multi millionaire. I'm not worth that. You know what I mean? But anyway, so so I said to my dad, I "Are said, you on celebrity net worth?" Celebrity net worth have grossly underestimated what I'm worth. They say I'm worth 500000 but my house, I own my house, and that's worth more than twice that amount. So, yeah. so <laughs> I've got to be worth more than that, right? They, they, uh, I don't even know if I'm on celebrity. I know I'm on celebrity net worth, but I don't know if they should really update it because I just signed. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> no, but, but I, if I was worth 500000 I couldn't own them. That, my car's worth $120,000. <laughs> you know? yeah. I'm going to be the biggest idiot in the world. No, yeah, yeah. <laughs> So so anyway, so uh, I said to my parents, I said, Dad, this is fucking, there's, there's no way you're worth, there's no way I'm worth more than you. I can promise you that for a fucking Yeah, but it's not, I, I'm sorry to tell you that celebrity net worth may not be accurate. It may not be the most accurate, <laughs> probably. It might just be a bloke giving his opinion. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's not, it's my, it says that you're worth 500000 What does it say what I'm worth? Including assets, like. Maybe cash strong or something, but like I, I've I've got no debt or nothing. But I don't have any debt. Yeah. Oh, I oh, I, no, I don't own my house outright. I still I owe money on it. You know, I paid that off last year. Really? Yeah. I oh, just shit. I just did it because the like, accountants keep telling you not to. Yeah. But for me, it was just like I just. You really are working class. I you just, were like, I don't want them to take this away from me. Yeah, yeah. This is I'm good now. I'm good. I don't have to fucking yeah, worry. Yeah, yeah. Like like even if even if I break up with my bird, like we can sell it and have half the money east. Or something, you know what I mean? How long have you all been together? Uh, four years. Been over three and a half years. That's great. Four years. How old's your kid? How old's he's, your kid? Uh, he's two and a half. What you, what is, what's his name? Hank. What a great fucking name. Hank Jeffries, yeah. Hank Jeffries. What a great fucking name. Um, so anyway, so I go to my, my dad. I go, Dad, if we get to season four legit, I said, I'll buy you Mercedes. 
right? Yeah. If it, if the day it's announced season four, because it was looking like we were going to have a season three, so that wasn't like a hollow promise. Yeah. I said, the day we get to season four, I'll buy you a Mercedes. And then my mum goes, why don't you just get us a Volkswagen Golf right now? Well, that's not the fucking deal, is it? <laughs> Why don't you just get a Volkswagen Golf right now? I said, I'm doing this so my dad can drive around in an expensive car and show all of his mates and brag about me. Okay, look what my son bought me. Yeah. You know what I mean? No one brags about a Volkswagen Golf. <laughs> you show up at a fucking club with a Volkswagen Golf and then he's like, what, he doesn't love you, this kid? Oh, that's fucking great. I'm supposed to read this fucking read real quick. Give me a second. Something about audible.com. I don't know if I never did. Whatever happened to you and you and what's uh, Eddie's podcast? Uh, me and Eddie fell out. Really? Yeah. Yeah. It was a lot of, I can tell you the truth of what happened. I'm not, I'm not a, a bothered by it. Yeah. Eddie still does the podcast. I'm sure he said a lot of things about me, but I haven't, I haven't listened for a very long time. I think he's, I, I will give him this, his truck idea that he's got this mobile podcast is a very good idea. It's a great idea. I, it's a great idea. I think it's fantastic. Uh, I would just do it for podcasting. That's me, though. But like, I think he's trying to flip it into a show of some sort. Yeah, no, I just do it for podcasting. I just do it for show, podcasting. Show up at people's houses. Yeah, I have little cameras around. So that's people... fucking great. Um, yeah, I think he. I, I looks... You guys had the greatest fucking place down there. It looks Venice. beautiful. Yeah, yeah. I, but well, see, the thing is, me and Eddie actually had very good chemistry, and I still have love for Eddie in a way. Like, I still yeah. wish we could be friends. But in, from my point of view, what happened was this. It's. I got the TV show. I was doing the TV show. I got Eddie apart in the first season, which no one wanted him. You know, it's not like people were like fighting against it. Yeah. But it was all me who got it for him. And then it was like, at the moment, man, I, I just can't podcast until this three months is over. Yeah. And then he's like, sense. he's like, fine, everyone's fucking blah, blah, blah. I said, all right, I can do it. I think he was unhappy with where my career was at and where his might have been at or whatever. And there was some resentment. And then he went, and I said, all right, well, just bring everyone over to my house because I'd already moved into the hills by then. Yeah. I said, bring everyone over to my house and I can do it Monday night. We, I get off set at 6 and we'll do it quickly and then i got to go to bed so that everyone's got to be out of the house at like sort of 8.30. You know what I mean? Yeah. Because I'm up at 6 again, too. And then, and then he's, he's like, no, 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 the podcast is the house. The house has it. He just started making these bullshit fucking reasons. And the real reason was... I'm not going to have you dictate what's happening because you think you're big and special. I'm, I, I'm important as well, right? Yeah. And I don't know if I could have been more sensitive to it or something like that. I probably could have been, but I, I wasn't trying to upset him. It was just logistically I couldn't do it. Yeah. So then I said, walked away from it, like you can keep the name, you can keep the this, you can keep all the subscribers. You know what I mean? You don't have to start from fresh. You already had 50,000 subscribers or something, right? Yeah. And... You know, and let's be honest, like, I was probably responsible for most of those subscribers. No one was, to begin with, listening to just an Eddie If. And, and then at the end, we'd had advertising money and stuff like that. And I believe there was anywhere between 10 and 20 grand in an account. And I just, I wanted my 50%. And it was sort of made known to me that, that you've got enough money. What do you need it for? When that, to me, is not the principle. I earn it. Yeah. Give me my half. I walk away. You can keep everything else. I just want half the money. I was half the show. Yeah. I I never got a single cent. And I read ads. Yeah. And I you know, I read ads. Right? Yeah. So I got a 
I gotta if I can get money for that. Yeah, I know what you're saying. I I mean, the, your pod, you, the podcast together with both of you was fucking fun. Yeah, I we, did it. It was a we, lot. Of fun. We had a great chemistry. We we bounce up like I I miss the other guys. I'm still friends with all the other guys. There's yeah. no falling out. And even with Eddie, I'm called. I, like I I wrote to him. I text him. Wrote to him. I text him and and congratulated when his kid was born. And yeah. you know, in in I, you know, he came and visited me in the hospital when Hank was born. You know, I I would have liked to have been on better terms to be able to do that. But you know, it's it's like a microcosm of what happened with Opie and Anthony. You know, it's like a it's very hard. If people are feeling slighted or they feel like like they're not getting enough credibility or something like that, and then when money comes into it, he, he should have, in my mind, he should have just given me half the money that was in the account, and then just we would have we would have still there still would have been a little bit of bitterness towards each other, but it would have been over by now. Yeah, and it's, money's always just a money shit, just sucks sucks. You know, it's it's the reason I, one of my buddies is the biggest. Arguably the biggest comedy producer for television right now hmm. in New York, and uh, he does he does uh, everything. I didn't know any of that. We used to just—I mean, I grew up with a kid, and I hmm. grew up with a guy, and we partied in New York, lived together in New York, lived lived across the street from each other, and we went to dinner the other night. And I and the president of Comedy Central walked by our table and said hi to him. Hmm. Person I should arguably maybe Ken Altman. No, 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 the woman Michelle. Okay, and uh, and. Uh, I was like, what the fuck's going on? And he's like, I want to do a project with you. And he's like, let's do something. And I got so fucking, I was like, I was like, man, I, if it was anyone else, I'd do it. I'm just afraid that like, I don't want to lose the friend. Yeah. yeah. You know, like I re- he's a f- guy that means the world to me. One of the few people I don't have to be anyone around. I can just be me from when I was like 12 years old. And, uh, and I was fucking, and, but he's t- arguably, you know, could, changed my career of course and so I, I like and i know that he has love for me so i know that he'd never try to fuck me over i'd have to you know like but it's the same thing that you like like the guys we did the documentary with there's no bad blood between us i did a documentary uh it's the i am the machine thing hmm. but uh like it just it just it when money becomes involved it just gets tricky and unless you're someone that can go and and we're still friends, but they sent me an email the other day because I sent them a bunch of money. They're like, what's this mean? And I was like, motherfucker. I was like, I, nothing. It means nothing. I haven't texted them, but it means nothing. It means that I don't want you guys to be out money. It's it's shitty. But. Yeah, it's it's tough because people screw you. I've, I've had management people screw me, you yeah. know, where it's like, fuck, we were all meant to be buddies. Yeah. It really hurts when someone does it to you. Yeah. It re- and I, I think also, with as I said, my chip on my shoulder about rich kids, which I think I have to work on. I really have to work on because Eddie's a rich kid. Eddie grew up with money. Yeah, he grew up in an affluent family. It's he, 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 I look. I you know to speculate, but I believe he still has help from family. Like you know, as rich people do throughout their lives, their parents are like, oh, let me buy you a house so that you yeah can make. You know what I mean? Yeah, I mean I don't know that about Eddie, but yeah, I mean I know. No, that- but I know rich people who do. I yeah. you know what I mean? Like. I and so you look at people who have houses. You go, how the fuck did they get that? Yeah, yeah. That guy, that guy does that, and they're like, well, his dad's got money, and you're like, oh, motherfucker. Yeah, That's yeah. That's how they got that. And so for me, who's earned every cent that I've earned, and I support two people, you know, who I fucking only met three years ago to take care of them, right? I only met three years ago. Yeah. <laughs> just, just take care of, and those two idiots, my girlfriend and my kid, who yeah. you're right. 
They, they got me at fucking the top floor. They weren't at the ground floor. They yeah. just, and But they came in just when the door opened, right? <laughs> Ding. Yeah, yeah, they weren't on any bit of the ride at all. Yeah. And, they, and they're just like, this is what you do. You go out and earn lots of money. <laughs> and so, oh, that's so fucking true. It's like yeah. just meeting Barack Obama when he's president. Yeah. He never so, knew Barry. <laughs> and so you're like, yeah, I get it. I used to be in... And then, like, she looks at, like, someone's like my, like, Forrest and Jason are doing support. She goes, oh, it's really hard. And then they have to, like, that was me four years ago. Yeah. No different. Yeah. And she doesn't, like, how can they see it? It's not their fault, you know. Yeah. So, so anyway, so my chip is a little bit, like, with guys like Eddie. It's, it's like, so his chip, his thing was I didn't need the money because I was making enough money, Right which I see as a rich kid's policy of not respecting anyone's money, right? Yeah. And so I was like, it doesn't matter, I've earned it. And he's, his one is like, you've got some, I, I'm not gigging very much at the moment. But it's, you know, I, 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 see, I always see rich kids and I'm like, what do you give a fuck for? What do you honestly give a fuck for about any of this? Because you're going to be rich when they're both dead. When yeah. your parents are dead, you're just automatically rich. It yeah. must just be the easiest life. Even if, like, when you meet rich kids, they're like, oh, I'm out of work, I'm really poor. Yeah, for the next 20 years. How are their health? How are the parents' health? <laughs> That's the way to look at it. You know what I mean? Yeah. How, like, it's all going to end up all right. Because the real thing about money is I was broke through my 20s, happiest time of my years. I was flat broke throughout my 20s. And but you don't need money. You just need to not run up a lot of debt or get yourself into fucking trouble. Yeah. It's fun to be had out there. Right, yep. I'll tell you when you need money in retirement. That's when it gets scary as fuck. My wife just said, uh, "Just like we're talking about buying a new house, and my wife, we don't want to leave this house, so we're mm. thinking about tearing this house down so that we can keep this fucking man cave, tearing it down, and just building a new house." Yeah, yeah, sure. It's so much easier. Three hundred grand, you build a fucking two point five million dollar house. Yeah, yeah. And uh, and uh, my wife's now talking. She's like. Let's start thinking about retirement. I want to have two million dollars within the next five years in retirement, and I'm like, I don't know how the fuck. Well, see, but this is the whole thing. Two million dollars. There's two of you. Yeah. Right. Let's say you retire at fifty. Let's say you live to eighty. I can't retire at fifty. I'm going to be working until I'm fucking. No, but let's just yeah. say. Let's yeah. just say you retire at fifty, and let's say you have thirty years of retirement. Doesn't matter. Let's say you, you retire at seventy. You die at hundred. Yeah. You, you need that money to last you thirty years. Yeah. Right. That's conservative with fucking modern medicine. Two million divided by thirty is what? Like less than a hundred thousand a year. I can't live off that. Yeah, between the two of you, less than a hundred thousand dollars a year. Okay, right? You're on like ninety, eighty thousand a year, maybe. Oh my god, I can't fucking live off two, that. Because two million times by twenty years is a hundred thousand dollars a year. Right? Oh my god. <laughs> right? Right? So you think two million? Ching, 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 ching. Yeah. No, it's bullshit. I've looked at my one. I'm like, Kate, we got to keep. I got to keep earning this level for this much longer to afford the divorce and our retirement. <laughs> for the divorce, our retirement. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. And I've, I look at it this way: if me and Kate ever break up, like take half because I look at it this way because it all trickles down to Hank eventually. Yeah. But it, it's it's uh, to take care of two. But you need to really like to live your lifestyle as it is now, traveling, not wearing restaurants whenever you want. You need four. Oh, I need five. I need five, if, especially if I'm still drinking. <laughs> I can't do that. Fucking, oh, I'd have to be a different guy. I'd have to just be like a minimalist. Yeah, well, the minimalist. thing, it gets easier is your own property and stuff like that. You, you, you run your bills down. But there's things like my house has $18,000 
worth of property tax each year, which is more than I've ever spent in rent before I lived in this house. Yeah. I never spent more than that in rent. Oh. So oh. until I die, I have that expense. And by the time I'm in retirement, that's going to be 25 grand a year. Yeah. So what you need is that two million. You need to earn a conservative like thing. It's gonna okay. It's gonna earn an interest about forty. So two million will two million with interest over the time you have it will give you a hundred thousand dollars between between you a year. I know. I'm, I, my wife set it up so that we could live off. My wife just took all. She has all the money. I don't know where any money is. Right. And she set it up so that I could. She looked at it this way. If say he fucking gets just starts sucking dick in comedy, mm. he'll at least be able to do the road and make X amount of dollars. And so she made it so that our mortgage is nothing. Our mortgage is two grand a month. Mm. It's nothing. Yeah. She just put all the money in the down payment and then just started paying off. And then and and so now like that's where we're that's where my head's at is like I can just stay here for that. I just need to I need I need to one big thing. So they can fucking make sure that I'm... Well, I, I don't have $2 million in retirement. Fucking hell, man. I, I, but it's same thing. Do you I, run your money or do you have someone running your money? No. I, I No, I have an accountant who does. I got another person, a financial guy. Yeah. <laughs> How did this conversation... I don't know. Out? This is a weird conversation. I have, I have like a financial guy, yeah. But the thing is, I just say new money. I'm a moron. I'm like... Ah. <laughs> it's like I'm, I'm trying to buy an investment property in Australia. Just like a flat to rent out because... The Australian dollar's shit at the moment, and it's not going to go down further. Yeah. My theory is that I buy it now, and the dollar will go up in the next ten years, along with the price. So, I did that with Canadian money. Anytime I went to Canada and I sold merch, I just sit on my Canadian money, hoping that something would skyrocket, and it never fucking did. Yeah. Just, it all stayed the same. Well, the Australian dollar is the lowest point it's been, and I just did this Australian test, so I just left it all over there. Yeah, and so, but see, my idiot girlfriend's like this. I'm like, I'm going to buy a, a flat in in sydney and then she's like oh good we can stay there no <laughs> we'll never even see it i will never even walk in the thing i'm gonna buy something off a floor plan let my brother have a look at it he's yeah. a property if he says it's a good one. Oh yeah you got your brother knows what yeah the fuck yeah he's yeah doing so, with that shit. so uh, uh, you know what i mean but and then kate's like oh well, we want one you'll never see it yeah it'll what just be do? in the ether what about, what about how about what if your brother opened a comedy club in uh in like found a good property and we and you got a bunch of comics and we all invested in a comedy club over there. Yeah. Well, the problem is there's not enough comedians. Oh yeah, like I guess that. that's I don't the want to that's the that's the problem. If no, if you've got if you've got international blokes coming out, you're all good. Yeah, I've got these bloody shoes covered in crystals. <laughs> <laughs> I saw them. I, I'm new money. Uh, <laughs> they don't sit right. So I got given them as a gift for doing a show. They're they like Converse, but they're covered in Swarovski crystals. They're beautiful. They're like a $1,000 shoe. I got given them as a gift when I did this TV thing. Yeah. And I very wear them very unoften. But you don't I wear a watch. I do wear a watch, but I haven't got a watch on at the moment. I okay. do wear a watch. Yeah. Are you like a Russell Peters watch guy? No, I have one nice watch. Yeah. You know, I don't... I would like... But the problem is, like, the real nice watches, the ones that I look at on the, online and go, ooh, they're like yeah. 30 grand, the real good ones. Like the Rolexes and stuff. Yeah. And it's a lot of money. So, yeah. You can buy... I like cars. I'd rather put 30 extra thousand dollars onto a car that I want to get. A watch is... Oh, yeah. I, 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 if I had extra money, I'd... I like good watches. But, uh... But, um... I'd like to... I'm upset. Like, I want to spend... I, I, this is sounds. I don't know why we're talking about this, but like, 
I, I my wife is not the kind of person that feels comfortable spending seventy thousand dollars on a car, but I feel like a seventy thousand dollar car makes you feel like a million dollars. Yeah, I know. I think seventy the seventy thousand dollars is great. And, yeah, then, and then when you drive one around for a while and then you get it like the moment we have a Porsche that's in the I'm not going to talk I sound like a cunt we, uh, no it's okay it's okay but we have a we have a rental car because one of our cars is in the shop yeah and and it's like a Hyundai yeah it's just I hate it <laughs> <laughs> and, and I used to drive $400 I had the shittiest I'll tell you a good place to buy cars England Ooh, really the UK the best cars really? are so cheap BMWs and Mercedes Really? Uh, like like a six year old BMW is like two thousand five hundred pounds, please. Shut up. I used to have like this BMW that I bought for three and a half thousand pounds, like five thousand American, and it had like twenty thousand miles on it. Shut the and fuck it was, up. It was oh. like it was like the hatchback, not the little hatchback, like the, the you know, but the two door. And I used to just fucking whiz around Britain in that. It was my, still to this day one of my favorite cars I've ever had. Oh, my wife's a person that is she says, uh, she just is, my wife grew up poor, mm. and she doesn't ever want to be poor again. And she's afraid she's going to be poor. So and it, she finds spending wastefully that that's just, uh, that's just, she's like, that's not who I am. So we're looking at cars, it's been a nightmare. We cannot find a second car. Because mm. we got this old Mercedes that we've paid for. It's, it's done, but it's, it's just beat to hell. It's, it barely fucking runs. Mm. And so this fucking second car, it's been a fucking nightmare. My, the only reason I'm doing, I'm gonna, do, I'm supposed to have done an ad. I'm probably inserted it in here. I don't know how. I've never done ads for the show, but I got. Do you want me to do it? I'll read the ad for you. I don't know the fucking. Ad. <laughs> I think it, it better not be for Mercedes. Speak to shit. It hardly runs. Where my wife just fucking? They're going to Jones. I feel like I've sounded like a complete cunt on this podcast. They're not at all. Money and stuff. No, <laughs> money's. Look, here's the deal. I don't mind talking about money. I don't. I don't. I'll, I, I. I. Even to the point where I. I tell comics like when other comics want to know like what are you getting paid at that gig? I'll tell comics right away. Mm. I always tell comics like I like let them know where I'm at so that they can help get their money up. Yeah, yeah. And but but like I but I, t- I tell you what increased my money and this is the this is the truth. I was still playing clubs when this film came out. It was before, just before I went into theaters in this country, and my money increased after I saw the movie Moneyball. <laughs> after you saw the movie Moneyball like the next day my money went up <laughs> why because right I was getting I kept on getting told like okay so you're playing the club you sell about the same amount of tickets as say Kevin Nealon so you're getting what Kevin Nealon gets yeah. right you sell the same amount of tickets as I don't know whatever actors you get the same money as they get every time I went to a club every waitress every bartender every manager was like we've never sold so much alcohol all right, let's talk. Right? Yeah. I'm Moneyball. Yeah. I'm the guy who gets all the walks. Yeah. Right? I, you can't measure me next to Kevin Nealand. Right? Yeah. Because his audience, or I'm not. there's nothing to do with how good a comic you are. I'm an uh, alcohol-selling machine. My, the only reason. It doesn't reason, matter in theaters because you're on a split of the door. The only reason I've ever worked. So wait, do you get a cut of the booze? At theaters, no. At, at clubs? No, but my money goes up to stupid percent. Okay. Right? Like in comparison to the thing. I once did a gig in Cleveland at Hilarities where I saw the guy, and I have no word of a lie, they bought the alcohol for the beginning of the week, and on the Wednesday, by the time I got to the Sunday gig, there was a bartender holding a bottle of Tia Maria or Kahlua. Yeah. Going, this is what we have. 
Dude, I, 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 I draw it out of bot. I, 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 I will tell you this. I do this thing called a call and sick to work show. Mm. I do a, I go into radio. Cause I drink, I drink, I drink on radio sometimes. Mm. So I go and do radio at eight, eight seven and six a.m. Mm. Do radio until ten. Drink on air and then go right to the club at eleven. And everyone calls in sick to work. And then we do a show at eleven a.m. And everyone's been drinking since fucking eight in the morning. Mm. And uh, I did one in Tampa. I walked into the club and they were fucking out of booze. The one show. We're talking pre-party. Mm. The show hadn't started. They're out of fucking beer, yeah. and and so like, uh, I've my the only reason I've ever worked is because of uh, of booze. Yeah, yeah. I, I, my booze sales are through the fucking roof. Someone told me I should get a percentage of the booze sales. Well, you and me, you and me, are the same animal. I like I call this special alcoholic. I I sell fucking booze. Do you know who I call my next special? Right, liver. Liver, yeah, that's good. But it's going to look like liver. Yeah, yeah, liver is pretty good. Yeah, that's, that's a good Bert one. Burt Kreischer, liver. Yeah, it's tricky, the old name in the specials. Yeah, I've never been good at it. I've never been good at it. So th- let me read this ad. I'm, this is supposed to, I don't know. I've never done ads before. Sure. But uh, I think I'm supposed to mention that audible.com. Yeah. Get a free audible book. F- get a free audio book and 30-day trial today by signing up at audiblepodcast.com. Use the code word Burt, Burt, Burt. To do it, my book's on audible.com. Have you written a book? Bert, 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 three Bert, birds. That's my website, but so that's but that's the code word. Bert, Bert, Bert. What, what are you, Robert? Albert. Albert. Albert Charles Chrysler the third. Of course, yeah. Yeah, get out audible.com and get you can get my book Life of the Party on Audible. It's me. I'm dyslexic, so I. You're barely a third, can read did it. you call your kid Albert as well? No, I didn't get a boy. I got fucking girls. See, this is the weird thing because Jeffries is my real my real last name is Nugent. What? Like Ted Nugent. My real Are you last fucking name is serious? Nugent. Yeah, my real last name. Your name's Jim Nugent? No, my real name's Jeffrey Nugent. That's my real name is Jeffrey Nugent. Are you serious? <laughs> Who's Jim Jeffries? Well, me now. Yeah. <laughs> but, but, well, what happened was I showed up to, I did like a, I, I had a promising musical theater slash opera career yeah. in, the, in the wings. Like I was at university. And I thought, it's like, I saw a documentary on Stan Lee was the same thing. And I thought that stand-up comedy would be like, my other job that I would, you know, you know, one would go in one way. So I thought I needed a different name for stand-up comedy because I was trying to, I wanted to tell dirty jokes. Yeah. And I also wanted to be like a musical theater guy. And I thought this would block me. And I showed up to a club. I, I went under Jeffrey Nugent a couple of times and I showed up. And the first time on the chalkboard they wrote, they spelled it N-E-W-G-E-N-T and then N-E-U-G and it's N-U-G-E-N-T, right? Yeah. And so I thought, all right. So I changed. So then I decided on, my middle name's James. So it's Jeffrey James Nugent. And then I went, I changed my name to Jeffrey James. And then on the car ride over there, I went, James Jeffries. And then I think the guy introduced me as Jim Jeffries. And I went, oh, that's it. That's it there. Shut up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then, like, I've, that's my name, been my name for, fuck, almost 15 years now. Like 13 years, however long I've been so doing is your son Is your son? My son's my stage name. Hey, no, no, one, you... no, one calls, no one calls Nugent. <laughs> How fucking crazy is right? that? And my girlfriend has her own name, which is Kate Lyburn. Yeah. See, he's Hank Jeffries, and I'm still legally Jeffrey Nugent. So we show up at airports. We've all got different names. Shut the not fuck Not even close up. to each other. It's really weird. But then this is the weird thing. So so my my uncle had five daughters. So the Nugent name's not going through him. Yeah. And then my brothers had a son and a daughter, and my other brothers had two daughters right mm-hmm. so there's only one nephew now if he doesn't marry and have a kid or whatever then the name dies with him there's no one else in the family because yeah. hank started a new, new hank's life. is the jeffries and like i can tell like the 
like my dad's really stressed out about it. Like he looks at Max, my nephew, like, all right, you're in charge. <laughs> right? right? And I'm like, oh, he could be gay. You don't know. You don't know what's going on with him. And then I said, you never know. One of the girls might just get knocked up as a teenager and not who the, da- the dad is. And then that yeah. kid, that kid could take his, her name, you know. Like, yeah. so there's many ways. Yeah, yeah Chrysler's so, are dead after me. I'm yeah, the last Chrysler. So I call my, my son's middle name, I call him, I called him Lennon after John Lennon yeah. or the communist leader. It doesn't matter how you look at it. <laughs> but Hank Lennon Jeffries, it has a nice ring to it. But we, uh, you got young girls, right? Yeah. Two? Two. Two. Did you have boy names? What are the names of your girls? Uh, Georgia and Isla. Georgia and Isla. And did you have boy names worked out? Albert Charles Chrysler IV, a.k.a. Quate. Right. I'd already planned it. I was Albert Charles Chrysler IV, and I was going to call him Quate. I was I was stunned. I was fucking, and my wife. Her- well, me and my girlfriend, we had a we we came to a decision. We said, all right, you get. I said, what do you want, boy or girl? Like name, right? She got she chose boy, and I said, all right, you get the first name of the boy. I get the middle name of a boy. Or if it's a girl, I get the first name of the girl. You get the middle name of the girl. And there's no arguments. Whatever the person wants. Yeah. And so my son's named Hank after her father, who was actually called Henricus. So he's not called Henry or anything. Yeah. Her father was Dutch, and so everyone called him Hank when he got to. Canada, yeah, but uh, yeah. If I was had a girl, I would have called her Sydney, which is you know where I grew up. But yeah, but plus great stripper name, Sydney. <laughs> yeah, Sydney Jeffries. Sydney, yeah. I love the name Jeffries. I liked uh, Jim Jeffries has a great fucking ring to it. Yeah, you know what? I, I don't often tell, but but it's it like it doesn't sound stagey. It sounds like a real name. It sounds like a real <laughs> fucking name. Bert yeah. Kreischer sucks. Yeah, well, Jeffrey with a G. Jeffrey Nugent, right? I, I'm amazed by the amount of people who... Jeffrey up, with a G. Yeah, G-E-O-F-F-R-E-Y, which is the British spelling. Yeah. And the amount of people who ring me up... Jeffrey the Draft spells his name that way as well from Toys R Us. <laughs> and uh, the amount of people who ring me up, cold call me, and go, is Godfrey there? And you're like, where's the D? Yeah. Wait, well, there's a restaurant in Malibu. I was driving along. And, and I said, let's go to a nice restaurant. And Kate goes, well, there's a really nice restaurant up there. This is when Kate was pregnant. She goes, a really nice restaurant up here called Geoffrey's. Yep. Right? And I go past and I get, I said, Geoffrey's. We get there and I see the big sign. I go, it's fucking Jeffrey's. Yeah. It's the same spelling as my name. You see my mail. Yeah. And you still call it Geoffrey's. Like, I'm looking at it like, you're you fucking... You see my mail. <laughs> like, you know how I spell my name. Yeah. And you still go, Geoffrey's. Like, you live with me. <laughs> Right? So she goes, no, no, everyone calls it Geoffrey's. Right? <laughs> so we go into the restaurant and we go in, we sit down, and I'm still arguing with her. And the waitress comes up and I say, excuse me, what, what's the name of this restaurant? And she goes, Geoffrey's. And I'm like, no, <laughs> it's Jeffrey's. No one's ever pronounced that Geoffrey, you fucking. Like, like, and she goes, well, the manager called Geoffrey's. And yeah, he, the owner is called Geoffrey, and he named it Geoffrey's. I said the owner's a pretentious fuck. Yeah, you can't do that. His name's Jeffrey. <laughs> his name's Jeffrey. Yeah, he changed it. To, I went to school to university, did musical theater with this kid at university called Dwan. I hanged out with Dwan for years, and it was in yeah. year three when I went. Your name's Dwayne. <laughs> Stephen Curry. Yeah, it's Stephen. Yeah, it's Stephen Curry. Yeah, but it's says Stephen. It's like uh, there's a there's a dad at our school named. S E A N, like Rafe Fines. 
Ralph. Your Ralph. name's Ralph. <laughs> yeah. And it's not Rodeo Drive. It's Rodeo Drive. <laughs> I said that the other day. I go, Ooh, what's, uh, oh, it's in Rodeo. And they went, you mean Rodeo? And I went, oh, I didn't know we were talking about that. I thought we were talking about something that was real. <laughs> I didn't know that. All right. I so what's, go. his I dad, what's the date? Tell me the date. Cian. Cian. Sean. 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 His name's Cian. Cian. Fucking pretentious fuck. <laughs> I didn't say yeah. We, yeah. we, had, we had this... <laughs> We had this theory, I have this theory that we have on, uh, we, we said this on Legit that um, adding an H to a name yeah. adds 30 pounds to the person. <laughs> adding an H to the name adds 30 Sarah, pounds. S-A-R-A, yeah. hot chick. <laughs> yeah. Sarah, S-A-R-A-H, yeah. fatty. <laughs> Hannah, H-A-N-N-A-H, yeah. fatty. Yeah. Hannah, H-A-N-A, hot chick. Le- uh, Leanne, L-E-A-N-N, hot chick. L E I G H A N N, fat chick. Fat chick. <laughs> if you have an H at the end, right? Yeah. You never meet a thin Ralph. Noahs are always fat. Yeah. Noahs are always fat. <laughs> you never meet a thin Ralph. <laughs> you know, you've never met a thin Ralph. You've uh, never had a guy go to you, just like real skinny guy, like, oh, I'm Ralph. <laughs> it would throw you back, wouldn't it? Yeah, no, I've never met a thin Ralph. Never met a thin I know now you'll get people posting, I'm a thin Ralph. Yeah, there's exceptions <laughs> to the rule. I'm just saying in my life. It's like how you never meet Asian homeless. Yeah. Yeah, so it's like these things. Noah's fat. Uh, well, I'm trying to think of other girls' names that add 30 It's just about 30 pounds at the age. Just 30 pounds. Yeah. At the age of thir- an automatic 30. Automatic 30. <laughs> it's true. <laughs> Oh, I could fucking talk to you for hours. We did. Dude, uh, yeah, it was t- two and a half hours. It was fucking great, man. All right, man. I appreciate this, Jim. Thank you so much, man. Thank you for having it's me. It's been a fucking blast. Uh, I bring my phone in. I must have left it in my car. Yeah, it must have. I, I bummer oh, here your it car. Is, here it is. Here it is. I got it. All right. Um, yeah, this has been a fucking blast, man. Thank you. No problem. What do you, uh, when, uh, I'm going to post this probably the beginning of next week. So what? Where you're, when your tour, you'll already be on tour. Um, I'm already going to uh, check uh, AXS.com uh, uh, for tickets. It's called the Freedom Tour. Um, there's a whole lot of gigs there. I've just added one to Waikiki and Honolulu in July. And uh, it's going to, next week, it'll be all down the West Coast um, and then into Texas and Denver. So if you want to get tickets for that, other than that, we've got Boston coming up in November and all these other That's ones in Washington and New York and all those dates are booked in for later on in the year. Fuck yeah. I appreciate it, man. Thank you very much, Jim. Thanks for having me, Bert. I'll talk to you later. So that was the podcast, everybody. And it was brought to you by Audible.com. I want to thank Audible.com. And I'm going to tell you this right now. Get this book. You get a free one. It's The Life-Changing Magic of Tidying Up. The Japanese Art of Decluttering and Organizing by Marie Kondo. Kondo, K-O-N-D-O. It is yours. If you want to listen to it, Audible's got it. They've got 180,000 audiobooks and spoken word audio products. And you are going to find what you are looking for, so get it. Get a free audiobook and a 30-day trial period today by signing up at www.audiblepodcast.com backslash BurtCast. Declutter your life. Streamline it. I'm trying to get rid of clothes right now. My daughters are in the backyard. They're driving me nuts. The show's over. New podcast every Tuesday. Every Tuesday you got to
This episode was brought to you by The Machine.